Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And I realize for you Utah uh, State and BYU fans, this is a much better morning for the U- for than for you Ute fans. If you're a Ute fan listening this morning, you are a glutton for punishment and you have my respect. BYU gets the win and snaps the streak. How'd they do it? Well, their offensive line won the battle. Their defensive line won the battle. They were way better on third down. And they won the turnover battle. A lot of things went right for BYU in that game, and they get the victory 26-17. Kyle Whittingham, we're going to hear from him in a second. He talked about the issue in the trenches. That win against Utah, uh, I didn't know how it would go with the Utah offensive line and the BYU defensive line. I thought the Utah defensive line would do a much better job. Didn't happen. Uh, the rushing stats look pretty good for Utah because they did break about three really big plays. And you can't just write them off. Those are big plays, and they led to scores. So, you know, that's great, but they really couldn't sustain stuff. And going two for nine on third down, ooh, brutal. All right, here's Micah Bernard, who did run the ball well and broke off those big runs. And Devin Lloyd, Utah's star linebacker, after Utah loses to BYU. It seemed like you had a really strong game, but you guys just couldn't get the, the proper stops, and you guys had some turnovers in that first half. Uh, you know, we just turned the ball over. Uh, we didn't play our best game at all whatsoever. Um, you know, we got a lot to work on, and uh, we're going to come back next week harder than ever, and we're going to come right with a dub. So Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. On the fourth and two from the eight, when you guys are down three, were you surprised that you guys went for it on fourth down? And just what were you seeing as that play unfolded? Um, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a big game. So we trying to, we trying to get in the end zone any way we could. Uh, it was just a rough little miscommunication. That's all it was. And, uh, you know, we just got to get better. Next up, Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Hey, Mikai, what do, you, what do you think it was that, that BYU did that was so effective to be able to kind of get you guys not in your rhythm? Um, I don't think they did anything specific. You know, uh, we we went over everything they they ran offensively. We went over what they defense uh, ran. Is just we just can execute. That's all it was. Next, Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Makai, the rest of the running backs really seemed to struggle out there tonight. But you know, you led the room with 146 yards. What was the difference for you as opposed to them? Um, you know, we all just. We all came to work this week, you know. Uh, I don't know what the difference was, I guess. You know, I've just been here longer. I know the difference, uh, what, what this game really means to everyone. So, I feel like I just came out here and uh, just played. We'll go back to Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Okay, earlier this week you talked about how this streak was important to get. Uh, what, what does it feel like? What are your emotions like now that that streak has ended? Uh, so it's a tough one. It, uh, it really is, um, you know, nine in a row, trying to make it 10. I mean, we had a good run. Uh, we won't see these guys for another couple of years. So it, it's tough. We had to end it on this one. But, um, you know, we're going to come back harder. We're going to start a new streak. So, Trevor Allen. Are you guys uh, – is the message in the locker room already turning your guys' attention to next week against San Diego State? Uh, yeah, you know uh, – we gotta keep moving on. You can't, you can't dwell on the past. You know, this is in the past now. Um, you know, we will get to work next week in San Diego State. That's that's we gotta go one and zero against them. Devin, you were here in, in 2019 for for the game where you guys really handled them in, in the line of scrimmage. I mean, what was what was different in this game compared to? 
to uh, 2019, I mean, it seemed like there, there were some times where they, they just converted on third down. Got to get stops. Um, we did good on control downs, first, second down, but too many third down conversions. Um, that's simple as it gets. We gave them too many third down conversions. Next, we'll go to Matt Coles of the AP, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kevin, what did they do to uh, get loose, especially the quarterback hall? We got to be more assignment. Some separate. of those QB runs. As far as uh, gap integrity and then keeping the edge, um, he got, you know, the edge on us a couple of times. QB scramble, um, you know, QB draw a couple of times down the middle. Um, we got to just understand that we got to be gap sound and contain the quarterback. We'll go next to Josh Newman, followed by Josh Furlong. Yeah, Devin, aside from uh, the third down stuff that you mentioned, how tough were things early just having to deal with a short field after the, you know, the pick and uh, the fumble by Tavion having to deal with a short field? I'd say we handled the short fields pretty well. I mean, especially uh, in the first half, you know, I think one of them, you know, they punted in the other, you know, they got a field goal. So we got to just execute on third downs. That's really what it came down to all game. Um, you know, we did a good job of those first couple, but as the game progressed, uh, they started to convert more. And just to follow that up, as, as an older guy, as somebody who's beaten BYU a few times, you know, what are the emotions like right now in your last BYU game, not being able to, to come out with the win this time? I mean, it obviously hurts. It hurts everybody. Um, just know we put in almost the right means. Josh Furlong, followed by Jeff Thomas from Ute Nation. Devin, you guys uh, had a hard time getting to, to Jaron tonight. Was was that part of the game plan to kind of play it a little bit more conservative in the sense of trying to keep him in in, in mind, or, or what was what was going on there that, that you guys couldn't get to him as well? Uh, say conservative. Um, Got to hit home. <laughs> you know, we had zero sacks, and that's unacceptable. No turnovers, no havoc plays at all. Uh, that's unacceptable for our defense. Um, it wasn't conservative play calling. Um, you know, we got to just take pride and get to the quarterback and make a big plays at the end of the day. We'll go next to Jeff Thomas from UteNation.com. Hey, Devin, was there anything that uh, BYU did in particular that caught you guys by surprise on defense? Um, I wouldn't say anything schematic-wise. Um, everything that we saw, we studied. Uh, I'd say defensively, we felt very prepared. Um, we just didn't execute. Um, quarterback got loose a couple times. Like I said, we lost the edge. Um, just didn't convert in critical situations. All right, they're the U players. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham, for the second week in a row. He's got a list, and the list he had this week sounds a lot like the list he had last week. They did not improve from game one to two. That is the cliche, but it didn't happen, and that's why they got beat. Here's Kyle. First of all, congratulations, Kalani, their football team. They played outstanding. Um, you know, give them credit. They they won the football game tonight. Uh, beat us in the line of scrimmage, which I would have bet my house going in that uh, we would not lose the line of scrimmage. My house isn't worth that much, so it's not that big a deal. But I would I would never have seen the uh, seen that coming where, where we didn't control the line of scrimmage. That's our mo. That's what we do best, and uh, we surrendered nearly 250 yards rushing. Uh, couldn't get a sack. Had zero sacks, zero takeaways on defense, which which is not a good recipe for uh, success uh, offensively. 
not good enough on third down. We only snapped it 50-something times because we couldn't convert a third down. They were two out of nine on third down, and they were uh, 11 out of 19. So, so consequently, we snap it 55, 54 times. They snap it 70-something times, and that's – you got to win third down. you got to do a better job on third down. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, they deserve the win. we got to regroup. And I got a road trip to uh, San Diego State and put one on Arizona tonight. So uh, we got our hands full in, in that game. And uh, so all we can do is pick ourselves up off the mat, uh, figure out where deficiencies are, and uh, get them corrected and uh, be ready to play the Aztecs uh, next weekend. So questions? We'll begin the questions with Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Trevor <laughs> Allen, ASL Sports. Kyle, can you expand a little bit on the play up front? I know it's fresh and raw and you haven't seen film, but what were you seeing out there and, and, and what do you think was going wrong live well, at the moment? On, a, on our defensive line, we were getting pushed and uh, it was evident by the running backs, you know, after contact, we're getting three or four yards because of the surge of the offensive line. Uh, the runners ran hard and did a really nice job. We, uh, just we couldn't hold up. We didn't hold up, and and so that's that's uh, you know my fault. I guess I got to get him, you know, find a way to get him better and and get him, uh, you know, in situations and positions to be more successful. So that was the thing on uh, our, our defense uh, at the line of scrimmage. Offensively, you know, we ran the ball pretty good at times. Um, came away with about 180 yards. I think we're over seven yards of carry. But if you can't convert third downs and extend drives and keep drives alive, then, uh, you know, it's not going to be a good outcome. We only moved the chains, I think it was 15 times, and uh, it's not enough. It's not nearly enough to to win a football game in this day and age. And just a quick follow-up to that, Kyle. Um, on the fourth and two from the eight, when you guys were down 10-7, can you share the thinking behind going for it instead of kicking the field goal? Sure. Analytics, which I don't pay 100% attention to, had it as a solid goal from four or less. We were at two, and uh, I thought that that was the, the play right there. I, you know, they, Just because it's a bad outcome doesn't mean it was a bad decision. I do it again. That's, uh, you know, that's what should have happened in that situation, in my uh, opinion, and as well as the analytics. And, and so uh, you can't base the decision on the outcome. And uh, that's you know, that's what happened there. And then they proceeded to go, obviously, 90, 93 yards after that, which shocked me. You know, people don't usually drive on our defense, uh, you know, those length of drives. And so couldn't find a way out of that drive. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com. Kyle, what, what was your message to your players, especially knowing that this uh, nine-game streak over BYU was over? Yeah, well, the message was uh, we're disappointed. Uh, we didn't play as well as we're capable of playing. I, I can tell you that for certain. Um, but again, I'm not trying to take away anything from their victory because they, they earned it. But uh, we, that was uh, not our best football. Got to pick ourselves up off the map. We got a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, this does nothing to our uh, ultimate goal of trying to win the Pac-12, which obviously is going to be very, very challenging. But uh, you know, we got to. Just pick ourselves up and, and figure out where we did wrong and, and get better and, and move forward. Next, Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Kyle, how would you grade out Charlie's performance tonight, knowing that, you know, the offensive line kind of allowed some pressures in, but just he wasn't able to make some of those throws, especially down at the end? Yeah, you don't have to watch the film to, to get the exact uh, gauge on how Charlie played. His numbers weren't bad. 
you know, we didn't throw the ball a ton, but uh, you know, his completion percentage was fairly high. We, we did have uh, the interception, and that was you know it's not an ideal way to start the game. Two tur- two turnovers, and, and uh, you know could have been twenty one nothing early very easily. But our defense did some really good things early on in the game. But uh, as far as Charlie's performance, we'll have to take a good hard look at the film and and uh, see what uh, what was going on there. Quick follow-up on the offense. Uh, Makai obviously, you know, led the team in, in rushing yards. Tavion had the fumble. Are you starting to see that separation with Makai there? Apparently we are, yeah. He, he played very well tonight, ran hard, uh, ripped off some big runs. He's also a great uh, receiver out of the backfield. So he's a weapon for us. He played his hard on it. That's nothing. Our guys, there's no quitting our guys, you know, not, not uh, that anybody's alluding to that, but I was proud of our guys for hanging in there to the very end and, and uh, continued to battle, and uh, that's encouraging. You know, there's a lot of fight in these guys, but uh, we came up short. But back to your question, yeah, Makai certainly seemed to get some separation between him and the other backs tonight. Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com. Uh, what, what was the, the big boiling point to what happened up front on the, the uh, D-line, you know, not, not being able to get some TFLs getting, getting into the backfield? The big what point? The, the boiling point, what was, what was the main reason why they weren't able to get in, in the backfield? Well, you know, that's another thing. The, the, the uh, line play is really you have to have a, a chance to watch the film because that's the hardest thing to see during the game and watch the monitor, uh, you know, this big screen as much as I could. But, but uh, they were just surging off the ball and we weren't – we weren't uh, getting any knockback. That's that's something we stress and and uh, pride ourselves on. And is the starting point to play D line here. Just get some knockback on the offensive line, reestablish the line of scrimmage, and and uh, we weren't able to do that. Just uh, couldn't do it. And consequently, no TFLs, no sacks, no takeaways. And that's the third time I said consequently this interview. So that's it for that. We'll go to Josh Furlong, KSL.com. How, how, do you, how do you rally the team after something like this? Obviously, you had you know, mistakes in that first game. You've got mistakes in this game. Where, where do you kind of where, – where do you go from here? Well, we're a work in progress like pretty much every team in the country is at this point in the season, just a couple games in. But you lean on your leaders heavily. Obviously, that's something that, that we need to have those guys step up and, and make sure that uh, we have more resolve and more uh, determination than, than what we – what we uh, had tonight, and again, not that anybody laid down because we didn't quit, but we got to find a way to uh, to be better, and, and the captains are a big part of that. Coaches, we got to work harder as coaches if that's possible. I mean, we're <laughs> we're in the office uh, for hours on end, but uh, we got to work smarter than what we're doing. We got to be got to be better coaches. Final question will come from Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, you've spoken highly um, of Tavion, but the fact that he put it on the deck and lost a fumble for the second game in a row, how how how, how frustrating is that? Because otherwise, he, he has played well. Yeah, it's extremely frustrating, but you've got to take care of the football. You can't put it on the ground. There was actually another one that was stripped. Fortunately, his knee, his knee was down, so it didn't go in the statistics, but it was a strip nonetheless. you got to do a better job securing the football, and that's job one. If you can't secure the football, you can't play. Now, we're not going to give up on Tavion by any means, but uh, you, cannot, you, know, you cannot have the ball turned over, uh, and he's just going to have to fix that and work with him on that every single day in practice, and he's gotten better. But uh, you again saw it tonight. That's two that counted in two games, and that's uh, that's too many.
All right, there's Kyle Whittingham's take on the game. We will hear the Cougars' take on the game. You'll hear from the winning quarterback, Jaron Hall, next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The BYU players have tasted victory in the rivalry game, and it was sweet. Tyler Algier, Peyton Wilger, here they are on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tyler, talk about the way the running game went, because Utah is known to be stout against the run, but the way the offensive line played, the way you and Peeney were uh, were running the ball, what's that like to have that success against a team that's traditionally very good against the run? Yeah, you know, we uh, we practice all week, practice all week for them, for their looks and all of that. The scouts can give a great look. And I think literally we just came out, we came out, I think we came out a little slow, but, you know, we ended up picking it up, you know, the defense had our backs and then we, we had theirs, so, you know, we just had to pick it up and then wrap it up and then, you know, Literally just did our thing, so it was good. Yeah. Uh, and then Sam. Coming into this game, you had, had, had a game that uh, consisted of more than 19 carries. You got 27 carries tonight. Were you expecting uh, a big 20-plus carry night workload uh, coming into this game? Uh, yeah, maybe. I think so. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say yeah, you know, whenever they needed me, I just go in and then. Literally just do what I can, do what I can, trust the line lead and great holes for me. So just take what I can get and then really just do my thing, do our thing. Sam and then Sean. Tyler, it seemed as the game went on that the yards on the ground started to come in larger chunks. What was the key to wearing down the the, uh, the Utah defense as the game went, went on? Yeah, so literally just – Literally the fours, twos, fours, twos, and sixes, always all those little little yards of chunks literally just always always hit defenses. So you know, obviously break and then uh, it's gonna break soon. You know, those twos and threes and fours are gonna break to tens and fifteens and twenties. So you know, we just have to keep running running the ball down their throat and then literally just have the result we have today. Tyler, I want I know you love giving uh daps and props to your offensive line, so I want to give you an opportunity. How big of a steak dinner are you gonna buy them after this weekend? <laughs> That's a hard question. Oh for sure if I was financially stable. <laughs> like for sure buy them all NFL status and for sure buy them hella steaks, but you know, we're just grateful for them, I'll for sure be treating them this week. Jared and then Jake. Uh, what what take me what what was it like in the huddle after Utah had cut it to six? You needed to to make a drive and and get some points on the board. What was it like taking the field and and the the mentality of the offense at that point? Yeah, so like I said, literally the defense literally had our back. You know, they might have got scored on. They had a bunch of key stops, literally a bunch of key stops, and we just had to know, hey, 
we got to score and we got to score you some points on the board going to field goal range, you know, literally just try to get some points on the board because those little points literally make a huge difference. So I think that uh, it's literally a whole team win and the defense did their thing, offense did their thing, special teams did their thing. It was great. Tyler, I know you guys have heard a lot about the fact that you guys didn't play anybody in 2020 and all of that. Do you feel like a win tonight, these back-to-back wins over two Power 5 teams, kind of back up, hey, we're a pretty dang good football team? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would for sure say that. You know, honestly, it's just the mentality that we had. You know, literally last year, we last year, who, who knew what, who we were going to play and whatnot. And I think that we just had the same mentality as last year and this year. We, we're Now we're just playing better better teams, you know, kudos to everyone from last year that we played. But now we're playing, literally, like you said, two good two good teams back-to-back wins. So I think it was a good win. Like I said, it was a good win for us overall. Awesome. Any last questions for Tyler or Peyton? Sam and then Jared. Uh, Tyler, real quick. Well, what was the the reaction from the team like when Samson scored his touchdown? I, I you know, we saw the celebration over there, but obviously for him to get one against his old team like that, uh, how happy were you guys for him? Hey, no, you know, we're honestly happy when anyone anyone scores, but for him, it was literally, literally, nice and shining armor. I would say, literally, freaking, he was just he was just so so happy, and we were all happy for him. You know, literally, just scoring scoring is literally a joy itself because it's hard to do especially in college football. So it was good. Peyton, the way the Zoom's set up, we can only see your arm at the moment. I know they'll move the camera, but let's ask you some questions about performance. What do you think about how your boys did out there against a really physical Utah team? Oh, I'm so proud of them. All the way around from the D-line to the secondary, I'm just so proud. I know anyone on that defense would have sacrificed anything to get that win, and that's what we did. Jake and then Sean. Yeah, Peyton, I think there's been a moniker out there that you guys don't blitz much over over the past few years. How does it feel in the back-to-back weeks to really get after quarterbacks? You guys are coming up the middle, that type of stuff. It's it's great. You know, being being able to blitz is is a good thing, and we can only blitz when we trust our back ends. You know, kudos to the back end for for manning up and locking up and allowing us to get pressure on the QB. Sean, go ahead. Hey, and you, you kind of heard Tyler give you guys on defense and probably because it felt like offensively it, they started a little bit slow and really needed you guys, but it, it just felt like every time they went back to you, you guys made big play after big play. Just what, what was the first half kind of like for you guys as you just ran out and just Chaz was making plays and your secondary and, and um, obviously just, just all the pressure you were putting up. Just describe kind of that first half, I guess, for us a little bit. Yeah, you know, that was, it's fun football. You know, when, when offense is struggling, the defense knows they need to pick it up and vice versa, you know. So we just go out there and we trust our guys, we trust our offense special teams, and it just allows, with all the trust we have for each other, you know, it allows us to all just play our game. And even with a lead in the fourth quarter, you know it's not safe, you need to make a play. What was the emotion like when, when you got that fourth down stop and, and virtually sealed the game? Oh man, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it was awesome. Amazing feeling, you know, to win it on defense like that, you get a stop. It's huge. You know, you take, take a lot of pride in that. Utah's a team that's known for their defense. That's kind of the, 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 what they've established. What does it mean to kind of beat them at their own game and, you know, really limit their points and, and really have a defensive defensive success? It feels really good. Yeah. Um, they're a great football team and, uh, 
we just came out and did our thing and it worked out, you know. Awesome win. All right, there's a couple Cougars, and now here's their quarterback, Jaron Hall. Hey, Jaron, congratulations on the win. Wanted to ask you about that that big drive to get that field goal. Utah had a lot of momentum. The, the lead had been cut to six, and you guys needed some big plays. You got him. Take me through that drive. Yeah, man, I mean, they, they did a good job bouncing back and scoring their offense. You know, our defense did a great job all game. And happens in football, you score. So as soon as they did that, honestly, I – I don't think the momentum really felt like it switched at all. I think we were confident. We knew our game plan. Things were simple. And sure enough, we went ahead and marched down, executed, and secured the win. You guys went 11 of 19 on third down tonight. You had 11 minutes advantage in time of possession. How how critical was that success on third down to just getting a rhythm for your offense and kind of keeping Utah at arm's length throughout the game? That's huge to come around third down. You know, we practice it every week, but really it comes down to our defense, man. They, they gave us the ball, you know, and it's all credit to them for why we had a, had a long and we were able to go to work. So, our defense played a great game, and then we had our chance in third down. We, we executed for the most part, and, you know, did a good job. Proud of my team. Jake and then Mitch. Jaron, I just wanted to kind of get your thought on how you felt your offensive line performed in this game. It seemed like they controlled the line of scrimmage most of the night. Offensive line dominated, man. Back there, and, and you know, I, I can't tip my hat off enough to those guys. So, any people out there willing to sponsor this offensive line, please do. Pay those guys, get them some food, please. We need them, man. <laughs> so, I, I love my dudes up front. Coach Funk has them all dialed up and ready to go. And, and I, I love those guys. I can't say enough about them. So proud of you. Jaron, no turnovers for you guys in this game. Uh, how, how big of a focus was the uh, you know winning that turnover margin and, and taking care of the football coming into this rivalry game? Yeah, we definitely talked about it. It's not something you stress about or worry about because that's usually when it happens. You know, you think about it too much. But, you know, our week was a clean practice. We took care of the ball in practice and just correlated it, you know, today. So, you know, Coach Rod was very smart in his play calling at certain times. We weren't ever pushing it. We didn't need to. And, you know, it just resulted in us taking care of the ball. <clears throat> Sam and then Sean. Jaron, as a player, uh, what was that like on the field when the – field and you guys were celebrating that win and then second part to that after you finally got back to the locker room what was the celebration like with your with your teammates and coaches and what were some of the things said back there with you guys yeah being on the field with, with the fans you know we've been waiting for X amount of years to enjoy that you know it was uh it's priceless you know it's a surreal moment and I'm so happy for each and every one of them you know, all, the, all the help they've given us so it was fun to, to celebrate on the field with them and and be back in the locker room, you know, it, was, it wasn't everybody in there. Just a couple guys trickled in, but it's just smiles, dancing. Um, just what you do after you win a game, you know. So we're all just very proud of each other and, and just relish in the moment. Sean, go ahead. Uh, Jaron, I don't know exactly how to bring this up, but obviously you guys know the big announcement, the Big 12 and everything that came in yesterday. You were focused on this game. Is this the best weekend in BYU football history between the win and then also what happened on Friday? I think it's definitely up there. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, you know, very grateful for the president of the school and, and those who make those decisions, um, athletic directors, and, and, and moving us in that direction. So that was great news, but, you know, we're just happy to, to get the win tonight and you know, be able to enjoy both. Last three questions, Jared and then Jay. 
Jaron, in these type of games, the, the mentality that you bring and, and what you just re- referenced, just that calm mentality, business-like, let's go take care of business, let's go make plays, not get down when bad things happen. What does that do for a team You know, when, things, when times do get tough, when, when, when the leaders act that way? You know, I think it's just contagious. And the thing about it is we have, you know, X amount of leaders on the team. You know, we have, through the whole offense, you got 11 guys who really are seen as leaders. You know, the guys that are experienced and they're very influential. And so, you know, the energy we had, the confidence in each other was just, you know, it was contagious. Um, our running backs did a great job the whole game and, you know, giving us energy and offensive line. So, tip our hats off to them. Um, yeah. <clears throat> hey, Jaron. Uh- you stamped your name in legacy or rivalry lore tonight with that, uh, with some of those third down pickups in the running. Um, two questions. One, did you think you stepped out of bounds there? And uh, cause it was pretty close. And two, um, just what does this do? Do you think for the program moving forward? I definitely do not think I stepped out, but they did not review it. So we'll have to go see it tonight. We, uh, watch it back with my wife. We'll see, see what it shows. Um, and then what was your second question? I'm sorry. Just what can this do for, for the program? Oh, it's huge. It's momentum. You know, we win two games in a row. We win this, this huge rivalry. It's a very important game, you know, obviously. And so I think just moving into next week, uh, we just remain humble and grateful for the opportunity we had to play tonight. Utah is a great team. Took our hats off to them. They were prepared and did some great things, as always. Um, so now we just get ready for Arizona State and just move in that direction. All right, there is BYU quarterback Jaron Hall. When we come back, head coach Kalani Sataki, stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU gets the win in the rivalry game. They beat Utah 26-17. Kalani Sataki gets his first win in the rivalry game. They snap a nine-game losing streak. Oddly... Lavelle had a nine-game winning streak, and he couldn't get it to 10. Now Kyle's had a nine-game winning streak. He couldn't get it to 10. Back in the day, the youths won nine in a row and couldn't get it to 10. Nobody's had a 10-game win streak in this. They had three nine-game streaks. BYU snaps it, and now they get to savor this because they don't play the next couple of years. It'll be three years before they meet again. Kalani Sataki, you know, asked about the rivalry. Oh, that's for someone else to decide. It looks to me like he decided for himself when he was dancing on the sideline. Looked like a pretty big deal to me. Looked like a very big deal to me. Here's Kalani after the game. Kalani, what does this win over Utah mean for your program tonight? Obviously, you guys know the streak that's going on. And uh, I think there's just a huge sense of urgency from the fan base, from everyone. And, um, you know, it was just it's just nice to get the win for the fans, get the win for our players. I'm just really proud of them. And it was a, it was a great night. And just uh, want to thank the uh, University of Utah and their football team. That was a good game. And we've been on the other side of these type of games, and I thought it was a, a good slugfest. 
And it was a uh, man, just just really fortunate, and, and we feel happy that we got the win. And but uh, still have some 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 things to improve on. Um, got to enjoy this win, but then we got to put it away and get ready for the next one. But um, just really really happy that we got this win. Kalani, talk about that big fourth quarter drive where you w went down and got that uh, field goal to make it a two-score game. Yeah, just uh, I mean, I would have liked the touchdown, you know, but uh, the uh, just really proud of, of, of the team, just proud of the guys sticking with it. There was, I think, the drive before that, it just seemed like this huge raindrops just coming down. He got the ball really wet. We're nervous about um, about throwing the ball because it was really heavy, and so. And it just seemed like it just let up at the right moment. Um, it didn't help on that drive, but I mean, we, we just we just knew that this game would come down and be tight. Um, you know, we don't want it to be, but uh, it just seemed like uh, there were some moments there where we could have uh, easily folded and, and, and given in. And I give a lot of credit to our coaches, give a lot of credit to our players and leadership guys uh, getting it done. So it was a lot of fun. What a great night. Just so happy for the fans. Just really happy for them. John and then Matthew. Kalani, um, on third down tonight, you guys were 11 of 19 converting third downs. How critical was it to, to be able to sustain drives like that against a defense as good as Utah's? Yeah, I mean, a great defense. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it from last week, improving and trying to possess the ball and trying to get uh, more plays. We didn't have enough plays last week and, and uh, the fact that we had the possession and had the, had more plays in, in Utah is a good sign for us and uh, a lot of that has to, has to go with the, with the complementary football that we play between our three phases and offense, defense, and special teams and so you know, we, we, we took some risks went for it on fourth down and did some things that, that we thought would be helpful and, and did some things on defense that were unique and different. And, you know, a lot of credit to A-Rod at the game plan and Fessy and the rest of the offensive staff and a lot of credit to Elias Tuiaki, what he did with defense and, and with Ed Lamb and the rest of the group. I mean, uh, I thought it was a perfect game plan. We, we didn't execute the best. I, I think there were moments where we could have tackled better still. And I think a lot of that had to do with the type of athletes that we're trying to tackle still from, from Utah. Running back made some great runs and uh, just got to keep working on, on staying on our feet. I think we got a little gassed out and, and tried to leave our feet thinking that we could take down great athletes by just throwing our body out. So we'll, we'll get that fixed, but um, just just love the fight in our players and it was, just, it was, it was good to get the swing. <clears throat> Kalani, uh, second game in the hall with multiple touchdown passes and no turnovers. What impressed you the most about his performance tonight? I didn't hear all the questions. We kind of come back. Say it again. What impressed you the most about Jaron Hall? Oh, Jaron Hall. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how many sacks they had. I got to look at that. But, but he, he was able to avoid um, pressure and uh, by using his legs. Uh, he was able to extend drives by using his legs. I mean, he, he can run. We know that. And uh, it's a weapon that we can use. And, and he can throw the ball, too. But I think you have to give a lot of credit to Utah's defense by with their coverage and things that they did to mix it up and try to confuse our quarterback. But I, I like that he took care of the football. I like that our guys had great ball security. 
and uh, we can always improve. That can always be even better, even though we didn't turn the ball over. Um, we like to make sure that we secure the ball always. And I like what he did. I think uh, Jaron is starting to really come into his own and feel really comfortable on the field. And uh, I like the way he, he uh, commands the offense and the way he runs drives. So uh, still some things that he, he knows he can improve on and that we can do better on offense. But it's nice to have a guy like Jaron to make it work. Sam and then Norma. Coach, uh, over the years we've seen you be a part of celebrations on the field after big wins. What was this one like for you, uh, considering the history that these two schools have together and being out there with your fans and players to celebrate this win at the end there? It was exhausting. I got really tired. I mean, I'm getting old, but, uh, man, it was just so much fun. And, and the energy that was – in the stadium tonight, and I, I miss our fans. I miss having them um, at home, and that was something special. You just, you just, you can hear them. They're really loud tonight, and they made a difference. I mean, the performance was a, a lot from what they brought to the table, and uh, I'm just so thankful for them. I hope they, I hope the fans know how much our players love them, and how much they love playing for them. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it closed in real quick when everyone stormed the field and had to get out of there. But um, the crowd surfing, stuff like that, I, I probably could have done without it. There's probably some people with some hurt backs and necks right now from kicking me out. But, um, I mean, I'm going to do whatever the fans want. So, I'm, you know, this is a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun in the locker room after this. And then we're going to go to work. We're going to go to church tomorrow and then we're going to go to work. I remember correctly, last week you only, BYU only gave up three penalties. This time around you had eight for 65 yards. What was the difference this week that just kind of kept you guys off guard and just committing stupid mistakes, I guess? Well, I mean, I think the, they did some things up front that I think kept our line up, you know, the movement up front. And um, different referee crews handled that differently, but... I think once we got used to it, it wasn't an issue. But I think you have to give a lot of credit to Utah. They've been great athletes and put in some tough spots and made mistakes. And the eight penalties, we for sure want less than that. But um, I think they had they had six. And so it was a back and forth game. Well, it's something they keep improving on. You know what I mean? And, um, I think the one that the ones that bother me the most though aren't really the part of the play and holdings and stuff like that. It's, it's the ones that, that we're uncharacteristic of what BYU is about, the late hits and unsportsmanlike conduct. That's on me. That's, that's what I got to do better as a head coach, you know, to make sure that we're more disciplined in that aspect. And um, I thought we played better in the second half in regards to that stuff. But, um, yeah, that, that stuff can't happen. We can't, um, you know, make those seven mistakes. I think those, those, we had three of those. We had two late hits and one on Sportsmanlike. So there's, there's three penalties for 45 yards right there. And that's, we, we didn't have those, which are very easy to fix. And I, I think we're probably okay with the results, even though there some of the mistakes we wish we could have back. But what I do like is that we saw better in the second half from that aspect of discipline. And, um, our guys, we can overcome. We said we can overcome any mistakes with um, energy and effort. And, and I love the energy from everything that's on our sideline and the effort that I saw from the guys in the field. 
Jared, and then Mitch. Kalani, I wanted to talk about how you won this game. In, in a lot of the previous contests, they've been similar, but Utah's had the lead and maybe been able to out-physical you, particularly in the fourth quarter. Talk about the way the boys on both sides, particularly in the trenches, were able to handle that. Well, I'm, you know, there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from, from playing football. And I go back to when we needed to get stronger and more physical from playing Wisconsin way back when. And um, our, our experiences of playing against Utah, everyone knows they're physical, um, strong teams. And, and I mean, everybody knows my history. I've coached it for 10 years, and so I know what they do there. And it's something that we want to have part of our identity. You know, so um, I think Coach Wood does an amazing job with the, the identity of their team, and hopefully we can do something that to make that part of our identity as well, being physical, playing strong. Um, it was a really, it was a back and forth. I mean, it, it was a, it was a slugfest. Uh, that's probably the best way to describe it. I think um, we just made a, a few more plays than they did. Other than that, it was. I thought it was. I made mean, it. We just—you're right. I, I just—I like the way we ended the game. I like the way that we uh, went down on that drive and ended up kicking a field goal. I like the way we uh, ran the clock out and, and um, Tyler Algier and that whole line and Lopini Katoa. Those guys were physical with tight ends blocking, receivers blocking downfield, and just um, a lot of fun. It was—it was—it was, it was good to be part of that and, and very promising from the head coach to see that in, in, in the team. Kalani, did did you uh, did you and Wit have the chance to exchange words? I know that there was a lot of fans on the field, but after the game, did you guys have the chance to, ex- to exchange words? And if so, uh, what did Wit say to you? It was good. It was a really good moment. Uh, I love Kyle Whittingham. I love his family. Uh, I'm fortunate that he uh, helped mentor me, and brought me up in, in, in his college coaching game. I really value our friendship. And so uh, part of that is just keeping those moments private. I, I enjoyed that embrace uh, after the game. And I appreciate everything I told him. I can tell you what I said to him. I told him thank you for everything. And um, really appreciate him. And I told him I love him. And, um, we're really good friends. Uh, we're close. And uh, just... I just spent the question before explaining how we're trying to, to have that type of mindset and that type of identity. And, and uh, he's, he's been an amazing coach and, and uh, a great mentor. And it just happens that he's, he's at our rival school. And so, um, but it, yeah, that, that exchange is, um, I don't know what else to say than uh, I love Kyle Whittingham. Last two questions, Jay and then Jake. Uh, yeah, Kalani, uh, in 2018, you had the big lead, and uh, you've already mentioned they wore you, wore you down and you got more physical in the last three years. But also, you stayed aggressive tonight, especially Roderick with his play calling, and also with some of the blitzes that worked. Is can you learn from that game that you applied tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I, thanks for the reminder, Jay. Um, <laughs> let me give you a hard time. No, it was uh, – yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't like to lose, and, and, but I love to learn. And um, anytime I can get better um, as a head coach and I look at things that I can do differently, and anytime that I can keep um, in, in endorsing that type of um, 
culture that we have in our team. And we always talk about our culture of love and learn. Um, you take moments where you where you lose and you try to find a way to improve on it. And then if you take moments when you win, like like tonight, and you also try to find ways to improve. Uh, I'm, I'm all about learning, and um, I've, I've made mistakes before. I've, I've, had, I've had some some troubles, but I, the one thing that I, I'm going to tell people is that I, I've learned, and, and I continue to learn. And, and um, one thing I can say that I'm really proud of is that our staff did a great job. I, you mentioned uh, the Blitz package and everything. I hope everybody knows that that was a question to document with the game plan tonight. Did a great job calling the game, and um, it was great to, to see him in motion. And I, I felt really uh, proud of him as, as, a, as a mentor of his, you know, to see him doing his thing. And, and all the coaches, man, I, I love watching all the, the assistants on the sideline, um, you know, doing their job and, and connecting with their players and having a lot of fun with it. So just really, really thankful that I have a great staff that can make it work. And, and they're all just having fun with the fans. So we, we try, to, try to learn as much as we can, stay positive as much as we can, even in the tough times. And, and uh, when you do that, you, you learn and, and you improve and it just becomes a part of you. So now... We have the tough task of learning when you win, and, and um, that's something that I think we're up for the challenge. Kuani, you've talked about the fact that you don't feel like this season needs to do anything to justify what you guys did in 2020, but do you consider this to be a benchmark win to kind of prove where you guys have come in terms of just your overall depth and strength of your program? I don't know. I like. I kind of struggle with that. We like our depth. We like our team. We like the players on the team. You know, when you when you play this type of schedule and you play some tough P fives right away, you're going to have to test the depth. We we know that coming into this, and that that was part of the deal. We, you know, in the years past that we had to deal with that, and we we had to go into our depth a little bit in recruiting and development. And so I like the way our team is right now. I like the depth, but it's always, it's a, it's an ongoing process. You know, uh, there's guys on, on our team right now that are, um, that are really close to getting on the field again. And I, and I mentioned that I like having uh, more starters than the 11 on offensive defense and special teams. And I, I think we're, we're really starting to get there, but, um, but that's hard to say when, when, when you don't get to test it out. And I don't really hope that we get to test our depth out, but I, I just like the urgency that our coaches have in teaching their guys, and I like the way they approach each week. This week, we had a great opportunity for our players to focus on things of words of loyal Edwards um, about preparation, and that there's a, there's a will to prepare that's way more important than a little bit. And, um, and I, I was really proud of the way the guys prepared this week. And they came they came to work with every practice with with a little bit more intent. A little bit more physicality, and man, it was it was, a, it was a great sight to see as a head coach. That I don't have to jumpstart that thing. That means that we have a good leadership. We lost a lot of great leaders that went, went on to the NFL, and it's, it's nice to see that thing still roll when we have great leaders continue to lead along the way. So, yeah, that's just really happy, guys. I, uh, man, just just really happy. I, I can't wait to learn from this game and, and get better next week. All right, there is BYU head coach Kalani Sataki at the podium after the game. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, will join us next. Stay with us. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Samson Nakua is scheduled to make his weekly appearance with us here in just a few minutes on The Zone. And then we'll get Nick Ford later this morning, Utah Center. He's going to join us at 8.30. Had a little change to his schedule. Normally he's here at 7.30. PK, the rivalry game is in the books, and the Cougars have broken the streak. You always say it's... If you can beat somebody seven times in ten years in a conference, that's great. The Utes have won nine out of ten. I suspect it doesn't feel great right now. No. It does for the Cougars, baby. They broke it. Baby. I, I think it's a sign of BYU's maturity in, the, in its program. When you look at its program, it's to a level now where it's expected to be competitive in virtually every game. Coach Sataki's in his sixth year. He's got the players that he recruited way back when, and the coaching staff is matured together. Jaron Hall's in his fourth year in the program. These are things that lead to success. If you don't have success at this point, then you will not have a job at this point because you are expected to be competitive and to win your fair share of games at this point. And BYU dominated that game. There's no question about it. They absolutely did. Kyle Whittingham, as he normally does, spoke very appropriately after the game, saying, I would have bet my house that we would have controlled the line of scrimmage, and we did not. Not on either side of the ball. Both sides of the ball got beat. And he's got multiple houses, I can tell you that. He (laughs) lost them all. (laughs) They're not worth much, apparently. They are. (laughs) I thought so, too. Well, I've been to one. I haven't been to the other. Um, (laughs) I couldn't believe it when he said that. (laughs) So, I think he was making a point. He's very good at uh, explaining what... The reasons were win or lose, and he doesn't usually pull any punches, and I don't think he did there either in his post-game Zoom session, which I listened to and then flicked over to the Cougars when uh, the Utes were all done, and so I thought he outlined it perfectly, and this is a sign for me, as I see it, of BYU's maturity as a program. You've got a sixth-year coach. Obviously, he's going to be better than he was in his first year. It's the way it is in virtually every business. And the coaching staff being together and the players knowing. You know, Jaron Hall hasn't played a whole lot, but he's been around Aaron Roderick four years, going on four years. So there comes a time when you have to get out there on the on the field. And I could tell you, speaking with coaches after, later, beyond Zoom, they're very, very confident. They like their chances to the point where they were thinking, yeah, we are absolutely going to win. It wasn't quite that level, but it was close. And they showed it. They showed it. They absolutely did. You have to credit them. They played very, very well. No turnovers again by Hall. Nobody else. I don't think anybody else coughed it up that I can recall. No, they, so that's two games in a row now that they've protected the ball, and that goes a long way towards helping. Defense got in the faces of uh the Utes guys, uh, what's his face? Charlie B didn't have much time. I thought he was very average, which is, I had a wait-and-see approach on him anyway. I was not guaranteeing. I don't care if he threw for 5 trillion yards in some crappy Big 12 defensive conference, and I don't care what he did in the spring game, and I don't care what he did against Weber. He didn't do a whole lot in this time. He's, and it's not like the season is over by any stretch. You got plenty. The way well, I look at their schedule, they got maybe one game that I'm thinking is a sure loss. That's it. The Oregon game. Right now. Yeah. As right now. USC looked awfully mediocre themselves. I mean, they can lose three or four games. But right now, 
looking like one game would be very difficult to win. That's it. Except the way they played, every game would also, you, you can get beat. I mean, if you get beat on the offensive line, the defensive line, you lose the turnover battle, and you lose the third down battle decisively. I mean, 2 of 9 is awful offensively. 11 of 19 is awful defensively. You can lose a lot of games playing like that. Yeah, but they don't play a lot of good competition. So yeah. At worst, they're going to go 8-4. and four. Well, that's why Kyle said in his last press conference, you really have to wait four or five games to know, did somebody win because they're really good, or did somebody lose because they're really bad? And it takes a few more games to figure that out. Samson Nakua joins us now, BYU wide receiver. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Well, not as good as you as you join us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. I guess the question for you, as the only guy who has a winning streak in the rivalry game walking off the field after that one, is it sweeter when you're wearing blue or is it sweeter when you're wearing red? I think it's sweeter uh, sweeter winning, man. Uh being undefeated, I don't think there's any feeling like it. Uh, it's honestly nice to probably be the only one around town saying that I can be undefeated in this uh, rivalry. And, uh, man, it just feels good to be a winner. <laughs> it, it seemed like the Cougars had a lot of confidence in that game, and a lot of people were talking about the swag that the Nakua brothers brought. Why do you think your team had confidence going into that game? Um, I think it starts from... Monday practice or from even right after the game after Arizona um, the confidence of coach of him having in um, the team and just believing in us and having fun and uh, just letting us play our game and uh, play with no tensity no anxiety no stress and just letting us play ball and uh, coach just does a great job of uh, letting us play our game and um, everyone just came out to ball. You can say there was no uh, n- none of that stress or tension or whatever and all that stuff, but man, that when you your celebration when you it looked like there was a ton of stress when you got that touchdown and you let it all out. <laughs> yeah, there was there, man, there was a lot built up from uh, over the years and stuff, and uh, I don't know just to score against you know your old team like that and in a game like that in a situation like that, man. There's no really other feeling. It beats a feeling even walking out in the stadium that in the beginning of that game. Um, just, it was unreal, and I had to let it out. You, you see me rip my helmet off. I seen, uh, I seen the video of Puka sprinting over there, socking me in my chest three times. <laughs> I got a bruised sternum now from that kid, but man, it felt good to let it all out. <laughs> Afterward, Coach Whittingham said that he would have bet his house that Utah would have controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides, but it wasn't. That was obviously, it was BYU. I don't want to ask you if you're surprised by it, because you're probably going to say no, but how impressed by it were you? Um, I'm impressed by the whole team, honestly, um, with, especially with the O-line and D-line. Um, they just listened to Kalani and believed in our system and believed in our schemes that it would work and. uh when it wasn't working, we just stuck with our fundamentals and believed that it will work, and we stuck with it. And uh, it, it was just a beautiful thing to see our, our, our run game and um, our D-line stop their run game. And it, it was just a beautiful thing to see the work, uh, work up at the you know the line of scrimmage. Samson Nakua joining us, BYU wide receiver. I'm curious, since you've been in both programs, is there are wide receivers 
coach differently, talk to differently. We realize the Utah's had a coaching change at the wide receiver position because the Utah wide receivers continue, and this happened when you were there, continue to not make simple plays, catch the ball, drops, bite them. A guy steps out of bounds when the sideline is right there and doesn't move all night long and gets flagged for it. I mean, is it a confidence issue? Can you put your finger on it? Have you seen something different being being on both teams now? I think it starts within yourself. Um, once you have that little bit of doubt, um, then it starts, that doubt just starts rolling with everything. Um, then you start second questioning whether you know the play or not, whether you know your route or where you have to block. Um, um, it always just starts within uh, self-confidence. And uh, once you start losing that in yourself, then, I mean, you step out into that game. You're overthinking everything. You're scared. You're playing scared, playing playing slow. And, um Sometimes I think that's a big thing, and honestly, that night it looked like a little bit of that, but I'm not sure. I know being in that receiver core, those, all those guys are playmakers. I know they're big-time playmakers, and it just seems Saturday night was not their night. The schedule goes on, and it was a big emotional win. Fans stormed the field. We all saw all that stuff. How do you put that behind you now because you got a whole bunch of games. you got another Pac-12 team coming up this week. Uh, I think it's an easy win to put behind us. Um, I think that game is just another game to us um, for what we have planned for this year. Um, we have to focus on this next game. Um, we want to do big things this year. We want to show everyone that, you know, last year wasn't a fluke, that we can do the same thing. And uh, it, it starts with this game again. Uh, we, we knocked out two Pac-12 teams already. Let's not knock out one more Pac-12 team and then move into regular season and show everyone what we can do. Samson Nakua joining us, BYU wide receiver. Uh, is there a lot of stuff in the passing game we haven't seen yet? The passing game numbers weren't huge. On the other hand, you led the whole game, so you didn't have to throw the ball. And I mean, to turn an old quote, I guess it's, you know, win by nine, not by 16. So you didn't have to do all of that. Is there a lot we haven't seen yet? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot we haven't seen. I mean, like you said, we didn't need to throw the ball too much. We didn't have to open up our playbook like that. Um, our run game was killing it. Our pass game is doing good. Uh, there's still a lot more for us to clean up and uh, learn a little more details and get um, some things uh, cleaned up uh, for offense, but they're nowhere close have we opened up our offensive playbook, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing as we keep uh, getting the team uh, flowing and uh, getting things rolling. You find it a little funny. You played all those years at Utah. You go to BYU, and the first three games at BYU, you're playing the same teams that you played when you're at Utah. <laughs> it's honestly so nice. It feels like another day at practice. It feels like I've been doing this all every day of my life. So, like, being able to step out against Utah, especially, it felt like a day at practice. I've been playing against those guys five years of my life, four years of my life. I was like, bro, this is another day of practice. Like, ain't no one. To, I told everyone when we were walking out there, I was like, hey, man, if you're scared, go to church. <laughs> Take your butt to church right now because this is a day of practice for us, guys. This is just for, for us to go out and have fun and play some ball. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so what can you tell your teammates about Arizona State just because you've, you've seen them every year? What do you know about them that's basic that never changes? I know it's going to be a dogfight. I am playing up at, over up at Utah, I know playing against Arizona State was always a defensive war. Um, both teams are, I think, the most physical in the Pac-12 by far. And uh, Arizona State's offense is looking uh, nice. Defensively, defensively, they're looking nice. And um, I think it's the same mentality as last week. Come out prepared to win. Uh, come out hard. But uh, 
play relaxed, play calm, play poised, you know, play our game of football. Don't don't step out into attention into them, you know. They might adversity might come, but you know, just stick with our scheme and keep it flowing and uh all things will work out. What would three and zero against the South mean to you guys? Um I don't know if it means anything, but I think it you know, it just keeps proving it to ourselves that we're the that we can compete with anyone that we deserve to be in the Big 12. We could be in the Pac-12 and still ball with anyone. That you can put um, BYU anywhere and we'll still ball them. And it's just going to show everyone that, you know, we're, we're a team to be reckoned with and uh, that we're here to play some ball. You know, after a win, the questions are all positive and upbeat, but even in, in victory, things don't go perfectly. And I'm wondering, after that touchdown and you got the, the penalty for – Taking off your helmet, a rule you know, you're a veteran guy, so you knew, yeah. oh, oh, this is coming now. When it's 23-17, are you looking at the scoreboard thinking, oh, man, I'm set up to be the GOAT here. we got to seal this deal. we got to go down the field on this drive. Yeah, man, right after I did that, Fessy, Coach Fessy even talked to me, and um, I knew it, too, after I stepped off onto the sideline, after I got my emotions uh, under control that, you know, I'm a vet, you know, I've been there before. I've scored many touchdowns in bigger stadiums before um, in front of bigger crowds, like, and those little things and stupid things that I can can control could hurt us. And, you know, the game's not over until the last whistle's blown and uh, uh, blown. And towards the end of the game, when it started getting a bit closer, I kept thinking back to myself, like, damn, that penalty could really cost us right now. You know, that's just a little simple mistake that, you know, could come back to bite us in the butt. But thankfully, our defense held it down and did their thing, and then offense came down to seal the deal and, you know, just run the clock out. You already so mentioned be a lot better. <laughs> you already mentioned the Big 12, and obviously that, that thing came down the day before the game, that announcement. Uh, how much talk was it among the players? I mean, you won't be there when they get there, but still, the, some guys will. The younger guys will, obviously. How much discussion was there? Honestly, I don't... Um, there wasn't a lot, you know, especially with it being Utah week. Everyone was so locked in and to practices and uh, to film studying and to just picking up on those little details for the game that no one really even knew until, what was it, Friday night when Kalani told us or was it Saturday morning? Kalani, or yeah, I think it was Friday actually after practice, um, our walkthrough, Kalani came in and told us that we got accepted in the Big 12 and everyone's like, oh crap, like what the heck? Like literally like, I don't know. Everyone's just been so focused into that last game that no one really uh, paid attention to us making it into the Big 12. Samson Nakua joining us. BYU wide receiver 2-0. Does it feel like anything's possible now? Anything. Yeah, and everyone's just got to watch and see what we're about to do this year. It's going to be beautiful. Samson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. We will talk to you again next week. Good luck. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, BYU 2-0 now. That was one of the three games we thought they'd be underdogs in. They got the win. Slight underdog against your Devils coming up next week, PK. Dream big. They'll win the next game. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think they can't win this game. It's not a world beater over there. I mean, it was 14-10 against Vegas at half, if I remember correctly. I didn't get an opportunity to watch it that much because I was paying attention to uh, obviously, at the stadium, the game in front of me was the BYU-Utah. No, nothing takes uh, precedent over that, that's for sure. But this is a team that they haven't been tested, really. 
so and they've they've got their issues. I don't know how much that uh, that the, the swirling of the assistance and the recruiting has sort of calmed down a little bit. Uh, in the moment, it'll it'll pick back up, I'm sure, down the line. But for now, you're thinking, hey, this team's coming in here. This team isn't any better than Utah is. I don't think they are. Maybe they will be on a given night. You never know how it shakes out. And but. There's no reason to fear these guys by any stretch. So I would think that BYU has had all sorts of confidence going into this game and have an opportunity to move to three and go to three and zero in the South. That that that's sort of weird in a sense. It's fun. It's how we judge them down the line. Obviously, they'll be judged by Big Twelve teams, but for this year and, and next year, not so much. And you're playing these five teams. I'm going to write about this this week. Uh, Yogi Roth said back in March that the Pac-12 can't afford to go 2 and 3 against the Cougars. Well, now they got to go uh 3 and 0 cuz they're already 0 and 2. Nobody would take that bet right now though. Well, they got Washington State out there. Right. Uh SC, who knows what you're going to get with them. Well, that that's so far away. Yeah. The Devils are right here at hand. They have a better idea of that, but yeah, I I just really believe that this is a sign of maturity of the program that this is where they're supposed to be in your sixth season. And you have continuity on the coaching staff. A guy like Gennaro Guilford, you know, he's been coaching there for a good while. The defensive backfield has gotten way better since he's been there. He knows what he's doing. Not that he didn't know what he was doing back then, but certainly yeah, but he's a better said, coach but now. But what you said earlier, if you're in a job six years, regardless of who you are and what your job is, you ought to be better after year six than you were in year one or two. Yeah. Bronco said it because Bronco is just blunt. You know, I didn't know what I was doing then. Right. He was blunt. That's probably, why I enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, probably not completely true, but you get the point. Well, compared he's, to where he was. Yeah, he's way better now than he was then. Yeah. And so, to me, it's a reflection of the maturity of the program. They've grown up together. First-time head coach. And he's going to need time. And he's got time. Now we're over it. And time has come. This is the time. And you see it. Everybody around him, you know, when they when they got there, uh, they, they had issues in the program. Guys were handing out scholarships that weren't supposed to be handing out scholarships. And they were handing them out like candy at Halloween. And now they've got guys in there to clean it up and, and to know what they're about. And things things are so – and this is what they've told me. This is what I have been told by multiple people within at high levels of the program. And they know what they're doing now. They've got things. They still have a little bit of scholarship crunch, but they have everything organized. You know, it's uh, like the car, you know, and, and I'm not a car guy. I don't understand how cars work, but <laughs> I do know when they don't work. Because growing up and not having a lot of money, we had a lot of cars that didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, uh, sometimes I would take my father's, uh, he worked swing shift uh, for a while. I would take his car to school and I'd get at Greenway and 19th and I would turn right, but I would turn off to the side because I knew it would stall because it always stalled. <laughs> Going around that corner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a stoplight and... And now it's all paved, but back then it was just dirt, and I would always just turn off because it would stall, and I'd have to start it up, see if it would get going again. So I know a lot about junk cars. I don't know how they work, but in the beginning, you know, it was a little bit of a junk car. Now it, now they, they're humming. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. I'm not talking, you know, 11-1, 12-0 by any stretch, but I'm talking about being competitive. 
And they were, even if they hadn't won that game, obviously they would have been competitive. They did win it, so it's even better. And they controlled it. And when they had to have it, they got it. And they needed that field goal to push it up to a two-possession game to overcome the the Nakua's taking, or Samson taking off his helmet, missing. He still should have made the extra point, but they didn't. And so you pushed it to a two-score game, and there was a huge, you could just feel it, there was a huge sigh of relief. Well, now Utah's going to have to score twice, and obviously they didn't score at all uh, on that. And I also thought Kalani, one of the things they said caught my eye, I thought that fourth and ten when Jaron Hall went around the uh, left side and got the first down. Huge play. He said, I don't like 30-yard punts. Right. That's they were, awesome. And they were in that kind of no man's well, he land. He literally yeah. said that, yeah. that. We were in no man's land. But so many times you're in no man's land and you see them punt. They punt anyway. I think yeah. again, the Jets yesterday, what's his face, uh, rule for Carolina, punted from the 32? The 30 freaking two. You punted. In the you're going to get 12 yards. In the NFL, <laughs> you think a kicker can make that 50-yard field goal. Well, they usually do that. I don't care if he did or but didn't, college, but go don't. for it. Yeah. Send the message to your guys. We're here to win. We're going to be aggressive. Not yeah. we're going to just play passive against the Jets and their crappy team. You still and you gotta, punt from the 32? But you still got to do it. Kyle sent that message to his team. We're going to be aggressive and go for it. And they got stuffed. And BYU went the other way against oh, the BYU, clock. Utah never makes swing. it on short and fourth and short, it seems like. No, that's been a problem. It has <laughs> been a problem for It was a problem in Weber State. Yeah. In the uh south end zone. They didn't get it. I don't I don't I don't get what's going on there, but they got they gotta clean that up there. But to go for it on fourth and ten, I was surprised. And then Hall doing what he does best, man. I don't know if he's a good passer. Or a big-time passer. He's a good passer, but I don't know if he's a big-time passer. I don't know if he's going to have a 300-yard game, 350-yard game through the air. haven't seen it yet. But what I do know is he's an incredible athlete, and we all know that. And so look at him go. And he got the first down. That was huge, just gigantic. And this program is at the level now where this is what they should be expecting to do. And next time around, if you beat these guys, ho-hum. You knew that everyone's going to storm the field. It was obvious. And I don't blame them. You hadn't won since 2009. That's a long freaking time to lose to your rival nine in a row, and nobody wanted 10 to set the record and then have to wait two years. Yeah. And Kalani, Kalani set the tone early with that beautiful reception along the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, man. I had multiple people bring that up to me yesterday. That was sweet to see him go down the sideline a little bit and make that catch. The only thing is I would have liked to have seen a spike in some type of dance. He saved the dance for later. No, save it. You scored. They were going to catch you. You had the angle, man. You could have gone all the way, taken it to the house. Can we just never hear anyone else say, the rivalry doesn't matter, we shouldn't play the game, uh, it's up to other Kalani's line. It's up to other people to define what the rivalry meant. You know, you know what it meant to him. And if you didn't know what it meant to him, he reminded you with that post game dance. Well, that's the, it's a big deal. I don't care what you say. Show me. If your actions don't back it up, then it's inconsistent. We all know it's a it's a lie. 
or it's a convenient way to explain things because you don't want to hit the truth. So many people are scared of seeing the truth. We see it all the time with all the stuff that's out there. We, we, only, we want to discuss our portion of the truth, but we don't want to go A to Z. We want to make the point, and we get to about H, and that's our point. And then from what, what follows after H, whatever that next letter is to that Z. That would be I. Okay, well... <laughs> I so, to Z no, is no somebody else their fault. No on alphabet. Well, if I just did it, I go A, B, C, D, e, F, G, H, I, J, K. I can't recite them right off the top of my head. No. Got to um, get some momentum going. Yeah. All right, coming up, we got your reaction to the rivalry. A lot of you are weighing on your takes, the key parts of the game. We will get to that. We've got uh, What is Trending coming up at 8 o'clock on Monday mornings, and we'll get through the day in college football. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happened. But we'll stick with the Utes and the Cougars next. Your take, 855-340-ZONE. Grab your phone, use the app, use uh, the open mic feature, and Yaka will get you on the air. And Nick Ford is going to join us at 8.30. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach at 9.30. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. For the athletic, he's Bruce Feldman. Let's start with BYU to the Big 12. It's good on all fronts, I think, for BYU. I saw this point made earlier today, and I can't disagree with it, that it might be the best basketball conference now in the country. And that is a good side perk. This was a great outcome for the Big 12, considering what happened less than two months ago with the news of Texas and OU leaving. So now you have four pretty defined brands, in BYU's case, one that is very defined. You have a big following, a big fan base, a program that is coming off a a lot of success that has some visibility. I think that's a big plus for Bob Bowles being the Big 12 to bring him. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays presented by Stonehaven Dental and Stonehaven Dental. They say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and yes to flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. The streak ends at 9. Who would have thunk it? Matt says, I did, DJ. So did PK. You did. I thought they had a good chance. Even that Homer Hans Olsen thought the Poops would win. Hashtag rise and shout. Well, I mean, it's clear BYU is so poo- or Utah is so poo-poo. So poo-poo. That quote had to come back around. Uh, I thought they had a good chance. I didn't pick them to win, but I thought they had a good chance. I didn't see any reason why they didn't. I was surprised that they dominated. That, that to me, was very much a surprise. They controlled that game start to finish. It got... A little tense at 23-17, but then the Cougars established to reestablish very, very quickly control of the game, and then it was obvious that they were going to win. That was a surprise to me. You know, I thought things had to go their way, and if it did, I saw no reason why they couldn't win, but it wasn't that things went their way. They forced the issue. They made them go their way. They didn't really need any breaks. I don't think they got any breaks. Even the two turnovers, I think they only got three points out of. They did. Uh, so they didn't really cash in on those. It wasn't like the bowl game where they gifted Utah 20 or 30 points, whatever it was. That wasn't the situation. They controlled the game. They won in a manner that Whittingham likes to win for the Utes. 
dominate the line of scrimmage, be physically tougher than the guys in front of you. And that was what was impressive. That was the most impressive. And I agree with what Kyle said. If I had to bet if there was going to be one team that controls the line of scrimmage, I would have gone the other way. So I agree with him when he said I would have bet the house. I don't know that a team was going to, but if it did, I would have gone with Utah. But that wasn't the case. They won that game soundly. And technically, it was very, very impressive uh, the, the way I look at it. I think that uh, top three wins, if not the number one win since they've been independent. Well, the Texas win seemed awfully big at the time. I just do that because you love this yeah. stuff. You love to go back. So I throw <laughs> that out there because that'll <laughs> occupy you for a few minutes. It's like raw meat. Let's go. <laughs> I would say the part about Kyle dominating the line, not as surprised what happened with the Utah offensive line. I mean, it just hasn't appeared settled. But the defensive line doesn't get pushed around like that. The defensive line doesn't give up 231 yards rushing. But yeah, that doesn't yeah. happen very often. Yeah. Yeah, they dominated. And is that because BYU has an A-plus offensive line and rushing game, and they're going to do that to a lot of people this year? Or is that flaws in the defensive line and they aren't going to be what they were? Because I think if, if you look at what, what went wrong, coaches say the most improvement comes between week one and two. Well, Kyle told us after game one he had a list of stuff that went wrong. And I don't think you can look at this game and say they fixed any of it against BYU. Well, no, because they didn't play game one. That only happens if you're going to play a quality team at your level. Weber is a quality team at their level for sure. But there was no game one. That's the downside of playing a, a team like that. Okay, but he says that kind of stuff year after year. Every coach look, says that right, year after year. That, that makes look, it a cliche. But they look better in games two than they do in game one. They've improved a lot of that stuff and beaten BYU in games two. In game two, Cause, whatever. Because they were better. They're not better. That's why. That stuff only applies if it works. And that, that's a cliche. You bother me with cliches. Why can't you improve between game two, th- two and three? Because if they don't improve, well, they better. Right, exactly. <laughs> they better. So I mean, that's nonsense. That's just what they say. And the ex-jock in basketball, you got to get out to a strong start. Take away their will. I mean, we know that's what they just go to it. Coaching cliches one on one. They teach it, but they're still making mistakes. Yeah, they're not good penalties. enough. Penalties are penalties, and they had a massive penalty to take away first and goal early in the game. Sure. BYU had three personal fouls. And the, then the, the one they virtually side, yeah. penalized though, all the way down, down the, field. the field. Yeah. So, I mean, that sort of evened Matriculate out. Matriculate the ball down the field, boys. Or they penalize ju- the ball down the they field. They weren't tough enough, which is shocking, shocking. to say for a Utah but team. It's, but it's true. It's true. In this game, they weren't. Doesn't mean uh, next week... Against the Aztecs down there in beautiful Carson, near the campus of Cal State Dominguez Hills, where my wife got her master's, where Scott Gerard, a Utah State graduate, made fun of? Cal State Dominguez Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Go there if you want to see some diversity. All you people high on the east side uh, telling us about diversity when you have none in your neighborhoods. Go where my wife went. Where we lived, if you want diversity, because uh, they sure have it down there in that area. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the Utes can do because in Whittingham's tenure, 
they've answered the call virtually every time when they were down and out, so to speak. And what are they going to do now? I mean, forget last year because I don't really count it. But two years ago, they lose to SC, and Kyle said, well, we can win the rest. And they did. That was awesome. They did. They went 8-1. and one. And he's right. As far as their goals, this did nothing to take away from their goals. Because your goal is to win the South and to win the conference, and they go to the Rose Bowl. That's, that's the goals. And then if somebody should vote you into some dance, maybe you get to go there. But that's somebody's deciding who's sitting at a table. I want stuff that's going to – if I wanted that, I would go to your other sports that, that you have to pretend you like. Uh, I don't want judges. I want scoreboard. And so control what you can do out on the field. That can determine it. And let the judges decide who uh, who's prettier or prettiest in the beauty contest. I don't care about that. Uh, but here they still have this opportunity. And the Cougars, massive opportunity. To go 3-0 in the South, that would just be gigantic. Because then we would have to assume that you would go 4-0 when you get to it next month in October, right, against uh, Washington State. And then we'll see about November seems so far away right now. I mean, it'll be upon us, obviously, in a blink. But it does seem a long way away. A lot of football to be played between yeah. now and then. But, to your point, they're going to be favored in a long stretch of games. And that doesn't necessarily mean all of that, because they weren't favored against Utah. And I they think won. the Utes will be favored, too, in a long stretch of games. Think they're going to be favored over SC? We'll have see to how, see. I mean, see, see still, what SC does. We're still yeah. a month away from that. Uh, but I would suspect they would rebound rather well. I haven't given up on this team. I picked them nine and three. I see no reason why they can't be nine and three. But they're going to have to get better. The offense was pedestrian. It's the same old thing here. We were going to anoint some dude who threw some for. I mean, we're, we're basically going down the same road we went last year. And I'm big on learning from my experience. Nah. He had 87 starts in the SEC. Whoop de doo. And he threw for all these yards in the Big 12. whoop de doo He didn't do jack against BYU. Nothing is going to matter if the O-line doesn't get better. The passing game, quarterbacks, receivers, the running game, the O-line is going to have to be better. And the passing game is going to have to get better. And the running game is going to have to get better. They're going to have to hold on the ball. I'm not going to single out one aspect and put all, put this loss. Make sure you do that, though, because obviously you're singling the offensive line out and virtually assigning reason for defeat on the offensive line. And we got Nick Ford coming up in 45 minutes, and I want you to address that with him. It can't. The team can't excel if the offensive line gets beat like that. And the team can't excel if the quarterback They'll, isn't good enough. That's I true, mean, too. I mean, and if the receivers don't catch the football ball. Football is the ultimate team game. Thomas, is the offensive line going to have to get better? Yes, absolutely. No question. But I don't think... Uh, Charlie B just wowed me here. I mean, they went two and nine last year, right? Baylor did. Yes, yeah. I was going. Who's they? Yes, Baylor went two and nine last year. We, we conveniently overlooked that. They wrote the whole season off. I not, mean, you no, said that. I didn't. I wrote the whole Pac-12 season off. Don't not if you want to put Baylor words in season. my mouth, make sure you do it accurately. When you're playing eleven games, I'm not writing your season off. I'm writing the Pac-12 when you don't start till November and then you play a game and then you have two canceled. It's a I may be a little bit off base here, but I'm writing. If you want to quote me, quote me accurately. I don't care about you can quote me all you want, but just make sure you do it accurately. No, you're playing 11 games. I'm not writing that off because if I write off Baylor season, then I got to write off BYU season. 
And I'm not doing that. So, no. Good try, but not accurate. So, you're writing off the Sugar Bowl season two? I'm writing off he sucked Saturday night. That's what I'm writing off. How, how about his senior year in high school? You want to keep pumping him up? Go right ahead. I want to see what he can do now. I don't care what he did in the Sugar Bowl season. I don't care what he did in high school. I care what he did Saturday, and I care what he's going to do this Saturday because none of that stuff matters. And I agree with you 100%. The offensive line has got to provide him more time. There's no question. I am behind you. I support you all the way because that is absolutely accurate. There's no doubt about it. So I agree with what you're saying there. And the receivers are going to have to get better too. Solomon Enos, a veteran, Stepping out of bounds on a key moment in the game and coming back in, not good. But it started right at the start of the game. I mean, they had a drop on the opening series that was a first down. Agreed. So. All right, DJ and PK coming up. What is trending at 8 o'clock? Nick Ford at 8.30. Blake Anderson at 9.30. The Aggies getting a win at home down double digits again. Seems to be the way they, they roll. We'll talk with Blake about that at 9.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Winningham. You've been doing this for a bit. You've coached in a lot of these rivalry games. To the point where, are you calloused or does it still feel a little different? Does this week still have a little special <laughs> meaning to you? It does have a little different feel to it. Now it's a different feel than it used to have, I can tell you that. It's not quite the same as you know, when we were both in the Mountain West or the WAC. And, you know, the game was at the end of the year. and had more of a true rivalry feel back then, but it's still... Certainly an intense game and certainly has the attention of the entire state of Utah. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Utah RV Super Show is back at the Mount American Expo Center in Sandy, September 16th through the 19th. Join the big show Thursday and Friday from 2 to 7 p.m. and see the newest technology and latest trends in RVs. So, PK, the lines are set for next week. A few intriguing games. Clay Helton, watch. I know you read L.A. media. Everybody's upset with the Trojans. They got beat by Stanford. Bill Plasky says he should be fired already. As Plasky. Plasky, calling the <laughs> shots. Wow. Big old Bill. He's not alone. No. U- USC at Washington State. They get back on track. You want to set a line for that one? Uh, Well, Washington State, who they play, Portland State this week? Yeah, they rolled them. So, I mean, I I don't know what to to think about them. I would say uh, SC by eight or nine. Eight and a half. Right in the middle. Colorado had a chance against Texas A&M. You don't see many 7-3 college football games these days, and they got the fumble at the goal line on the next to last drive, but then they gave up the touchdown and got beat 10-7. So we don't like to hand out moral victories. Yet that felt like one. They were 17-point underdogs in that thing. They got Minnesota at home this week. Two. One. You're good, though. You're right in the ballpark. Stanford coming off that win over USC goes to Vanderbilt. Yeah, man. I go 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. <laughs> <laughs> Taking them two at a time. Stanford by 11. I went 12. Yeah. Return missionaries 2-0 and last week. McKee and uh, Jiren Hall. 
UCLA back at it after a week off. They're 2 and 0. They're hosting Fresno State. Fresno State. How about Fresno State? Now, Utah won't play any Power 5s. But Fresno State will. How about them? Huh? You like the way they beat Cal Poly? Think of Cal Poly as a Power 5? Didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. You're referencing I, I the game at Oregon. Obviously. Yes. I finally agree with Utah that I think it's wise to take BYU off the schedule if you're playing Florida. Now, going forward, Mark Harlan has corrected that situation. Their schedule will be much better in the non, non-con as they fall for only the second time in 11 years in the non-con. But you want to Fresno at uh, UC Los Angeles? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I'm going to go 10. And a half. I never go halves. I never I never <laughs> think to go halves. That's good enough, though, if you're only off a half point. <laughs> Utah, the bounce-back game against San Diego State in Carson, California. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be easy. You know, Bell's a very good runner. He's pushing 300 yards, rushing almost in two games. Uh, and obviously they handled Arizona very well. Three touchdowns in eight yeah. minutes to open the game. Oh, yeah, I mean, they dominated. And the Cats Blocked got... a punt for one of those. Uh, the Cats' tackling was back to atrocious. I, I, I think Utah certainly should win, but I don't think the line is going to be that high. I think it's probably just going to be around a touchdown. The line is seven and a half. And BYU hosting Arizona State, 8-15 on ESPN, a battle of nationally ranked 2-0 teams. Well, I already saw it, so it doesn't count. No. Arizona State by two and a half. Yeah, so I could have said it to make myself look good, but somewhere along the line, somebody pointed it out. I don't know where I saw it yesterday. So I have to to just recuse myself. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, there's the lines for... uh, the big Pac-12 games, and uh, it won't be long before we have to look at the Big 12 games. But I guess we can give them a pass right well, now. I was looking at it yesterday. I know. Um, it started and, to already. It's Saturday, to... yeah. Baylor's playing Kansas. Because Baylor is not only going to be in the league, but they're on BYU's schedule this year. Mm-hmm. I wish they could join next season. Let's get to if it. If you're going to do it, and I, and I heard that the AAC commissioner said that they'll let them out earlier. You know, I'm sure it'll come at a cost, but uh, I, if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? I'd just as soon have everything be ready to go next season because that's what we basically did with the Pac-12 Independent. It was one season, and then we were ready to go, right? And I would love to see that, that it'd be ready to go next year. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. What is trending is coming up next. Nick Ford at 8.30. Blake Anderson at 9.30. We will get to week one of the NFL next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Wilson takes the snap, drops back, five-man rush, bullets one right side of the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Corey Davis does it again. And the Jets have life. Mahomes does it run. Caught. Stretching touchdown. 
Travis Kelsey touchdown, Kansas City. And for the first time in this regular season, the Chiefs have the lead at 7.04 to go in the game. Bridgewater turns, hands to Gordon. Gordon off the right side in a big hole. 40, 45, here we go, midfield. Gordon, 45, 40, pulling away, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Denver! 70 yards for Melvin Gordon, and it is all but over. Stafford again wants to launch. Steps up and deals. Going top shelf. Cooper Cup all alone at the 10. Touchdown LA. 56 yards. He could have taken that one all the way to LAX. Highlights from the NFL. Was there a more shocking score than Saints 38, Packers 3? Probably not, no. Blew them off the field. Aaron Rodgers, a couple of picks. He's turning into a diva now. Yeah. You got to back it up. Where, <laughs> right. where, where are we going with this? I don't know. I mean, you got the man bun now. I mean, and you had all the offseason drama, and then I you know. come out and you sucked? So the only thing I guess you can say is they sucked a few years ago, and he dropped that famous relax line, and then he turned out to be right that year. So There's still plenty of time, no question yeah. about it. But that was bad. But Winston looked great in the offense. I mean, he wasn't throwing it around like Drew Brees. But what do you have, four or five touchdown passes? 14 of 20 for 148 yards and five touchdowns. So the 70% is very efficient. Oh, you'll take that every time, Yeah, man. 148 yards isn't much. But again, it's what we were just talking about with Samson Nakua. I mean, you're in front. You don't have to throw it. Win the game. And they won comfortably, 38-3. to Very, very impressive. No doubt about it. Now, I guess if that's winning comfortably, do you ever say people win uncomfortably? That would be the Chiefs. Uh, and the we, Niners, I think, a little bit. Yeah. We heard, if San Francisco we, avoided a <clears throat> massive Would have been a huge comeback. gag. Yeah. yeah. We, we heard the highlight in there as the Chiefs finally took the lead against the Browns. That was set up by the punter dropping Dude, the... two things. Catch the ball. Catch the ball and get a haircut. <laughs> You're a punter. Catch the ball. I don't want to see your hair way down if you're a punter. If you want to be Clay Matthews, fine, but run around and make plays. You're a punter. The touchdown before that was classic Mahomes running around, throwing an ill-advised pass that, of course, was a 75-yard touchdown. <laughs> Mahomes magic. Yeah, he's something named... Just felt like they were going to find a way. And then Baker Mayfield with just an awful, awful, awful decision. Eat it. Throw it into the turf. Do something, but don't do that. The Niners game you referenced, they had the massive lead against the Lions. Lions scoring multiple times late. Got to 41-33 and had the ball on the Niners' side of the field going in at the 24 or whatever it was they got down to. Right there. But the Niners hold on and win 41-33. Not before losing another cornerback. And Mostert's hurt again. He's hurt twice last year. Hurt again now. He's good when he's healthy, but... Who? They're running back, Mostert. Oh, I thought you said cornerback. Well, they had a corner hurt also. Jason they've, Barrett, their oh, top cornerback, tore his ACL. And they lost okay, a corner I, I before you. that. Yeah. I think, he's running back. He confused me a little bit. That's on me. Multiple injuries. Okay. Other games that stunned, shocked, amazed, or entertained you? I was surprised with the ease of victory by the Cardinals. Rolled the Titans 38-13. to Because I view the Titans as a playoff contender. Maybe even more than that. But they control that game. 
start to finish. And maybe this is the year that Murray breaks out big time. I mean, he was the the single season in Oklahoma. It was the best college season I've ever seen for a quarterback. Uh, number one pick, blah, blah, blah. Phenomenal athlete, first-round bat baseball. And this is his, uh, is his third year? Uh, so, you know, now's the time. Because you've been, especially because you, it's not like uh, Aaron Rodgers who sat for three years. You played. You've been playing since day one, which is what they normally do now. Not all the time, obviously, with the Bears and Justin Fields, but most of the kids play immediately. And so he's had a lot of time with the same coach. Uh, but I didn't think that they would roll the way they did. They just very, very easy. Four touchdowns, and he ran for a fifth in that game. So did everything a Cardinal fan could want. And as long as we're talking about Justin Fields, how quickly will the drumbeat begin for a switch at quarterback in Chicago if they're going to put 14 whole points on the board? Lost to the Rams 24-14. In the I'd play him. Yeah, I'd play him. If you're going to rebuild, get out there. I would do with what the the Jets and the Jags are doing. And I thought Wilson looked okay. He got off the shaky start, two of nine. Uh, but then I thought he rallied six sacks. He's got very little protection there. They Obviously, they're not in a position to win a whole lot of games. I thought Trevor Lawrence struggled more. Would he have three picks? Yeah, Houston rolled Jacksonville. 37-21 in that one. Ty- uh, Tyrod Taylor, 291 yards, two touchdowns in the win. Getting the chance he didn't get with the Chargers after the, the doc got him with the needle before game one. Monday Night Football, Ravens and Raiders tonight. Kickoff 615. The game's on ESPN. You can listen to the game here on The Zone on 97.5 FM. And we'll have the Raider games for you all night, all year long. DJ and PK. All sprinting away from him and throws right to the pylon. Touchdown, Neil Powell. Brewer kind of looking in his direction. There he is, and it's caught for a touchdown. That's Keithy. Utah in the end zone for the first time tonight. 20 yards, Utah touchdown. But they do still have that timeout here thanks to Utah needing to burn there. So Hall is going to spin, look for the end zone, and it is touchdown. Samson Nakua. Hall looking to throw the ball across the middle, zipped it in there. Touchdown. Highlights from BYU's win. They improved to 2-0. The nine-game losing streak to Utah is over. Cougars knocking the Utes out of the AP top 25 and the coaches top 25. BYU in at number 23 in both polls. We hit this in the 7 o'clock hour. Convincing win, PK. They win the line of scrimmage offensively. They win the line of scrimmage defensively. They win the turnover battle. They win third downs. It's across the board. Well, yeah, you put it that way. Well, then obviously the scoreboard is most likely, if not overwhelmingly, going to be in your favor. And that's exactly what it was. We talk about, and we talked about it during the offseason, that unfair or not, BYU is going to have to have a good season to back up what they did last year, even though they've got several guys in the NFL. And it doesn't seem fair, but nevertheless, that season was suspect because they played no P5 and did not have a strong schedule, even though they slaughtered a bunch of people. And the, the, those guys, like Zach Wilson, he can't prove it at the college level this year because he's gone now. But the one guy I think that the spotlight is on to prove that you're really that good is Tyler Algier. And so far, 
Yes, you're really that good. You know, you're not maybe uh, 1,500 yards. I don't know how many yards he had last year. But the way he ran, 102 yards and 27 carries, so freaking hard. And Lapini Katoa, too, for that matter, running very, very hard. I got to give both those guys credit. But I think if Algier, if he stays healthy and follows it up with another 1,000-yard season, then last year, I don't care who you played, that was not a fluke at all. You're a pretty doggone good running back. He had 1,100 last year. Yeah. And if he, and so far, so good as far as I'm concerned. He's right on pace for it. And of individually, if you're going to single out one dude because Wilson's gone, it's Algier. And I was very, very impressed with the way he ran. Picked up some big yards late in the game in that one. His yards per carry was really pretty low, pretty pedestrian, but you always hear, you know, wear him down over the course of a game and go get the yards you need at the end. And, and I thought he and did. And they did. Yeah. And they did. He got to 102, but I think it was like 22 carries, 60 yards or something that like that late in the game. But they needed to go get the field goal, make it a two-score game, and they did it. And Jaron Hall also ran the ball well. 92 yards rushing for him, 231 for the team. You know, that's a number that's going to make the opposing coach sick to his stomach, especially when the opposing coach is Kyle Winningham. But any coach is going to flinch when they see their team give up 231 yards. Well, I expect Hall to be able to take off and do it very, very well. The 4th and 11 run early in the game was a, awesome. that was a big run. That was a big play. He's got to pick his spots. I don't want him taking off willy-nilly. I want him taking off when it's right. And the times he did, they were right. 8 for 92. He stayed in single digits. So... Now, it's Arizona State. Both teams nationally ranked. Both teams 2-0. Somebody is going to get to 3-0 and feel awfully good about themselves next Saturday night in Provo. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Fake the handoff. Throw to the outside. Devin Tompkins got room to run, and he's off to the races. Here we go. DT to the 30. 25-20. Touchdown, Utah State. Devin Tompkins takes it 75 yards to the Gonna hand uh, oh, Andrew Peasley's gonna keep it himself. And he gets to the 50, 40, oh he's gonna go! 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Andrew Peasley! Captain himself and rolled right through the North Dakota defense. Nobody laid a finger on him. Highlights is Utah State again comes from behind, down double digits. Last time it was 12 in the fourth quarter of Washington State. This time it was 14 after one quarter at home to North Dakota. Down 21-7. They had a 90-minute delay. About 75 of it for the lightning. Another 15 because the lights went out just as the lightning stopped. Finally, North Dakota got going and Utah State didn't. But starting the second quarter, well, they took over and ran them off the field. It's old news for Scotty G, man. He's had some beautiful memories when the lights go out in Logan, let me tell you. hey <laughs> It was great. I had a great Friday night, man. Went to Eccles Theater, saw a little Big Town. Awesome, awesome show. They held the game for you, too, so you got to watch it, too. You thought you were going to miss it, but as it turned out, I had until midnight. Down in my lap, I was covering my hand. I had it on the, on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw it, and then I got home in time and watched the end of it. And, uh, yeah. Logan Bonner throws for 390 yards, four touchdowns. He had the one pick. Utah State, 
at Air Force. Mountain West play starts on Saturday. Did you see the line for that one? I did not. The Aggies are 10-point dogs at Air Force. That'll be 5.30 p.m. on FS2. I'll be watching. You've got it. Not everyone does, but you've got FS2, so you can see it. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. DJ Johnson in motion across the formation. Give it a bird dead. Oh, it's going to be a throw. Wide open. Touchdown, Oregon. In the end zone. Nobody near Maliki Matavao. And he scores his first touchdown for Oregon as a freshman. Snap. McKee throws. Middle of the end zone. Tremaine caught it. Touchdown. Bryson Tremaine put six more on the board for Stanford. And snap to Cooper. Looking down the field. He's got a man. Caught it. He's free. Phil Yall Johnson at the 10. At the 5. Touchdown. 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 There are no flags. Touchdown. (laughs) On the final snap of the game, Jacksonville State has won it. Jacksonville State beating the barely interested Florida State team on the final play of the game. Reaction time there wasn't very good, PK. But another case of I'll take the check and I'll take the win too. The money game goes against the home team. It's only a matter of time before primetime is coaching there. We'll see uh, how he will handle it when he gets that offer. If he's going to stay at the historically black college. Or go try to fix the Seminole football program. All those highlights started with the win of the week for the Pac-12. Oregon goes to Columbus, Ohio and beats number three Ohio State 35-28. The big bad Buckeyes beating it home. Huge win. I mean, there was three surprises in the Pac-12. I didn't expect Utah or SC to lose and I didn't expect Oregon to win. And yet, there it is. Yeah, it happened. And on that play, you heard the the play action fake to C.J. Verdell. That was set up because he had their first three touchdowns in that game, including a 70-whatever yarder it was. It was a long one. 77, I think. And uh, that sets up the play action later, and they get out of Columbus with the win. So, they were number 12. They are now number four as they vault up in the uh, well, in the rankings. all this means is now we know we'll have a one-loss team in the playoff. That's the win to hang the hat on for the conference? No. Ohio State will get in. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, they changed the rules last year for them. So when you say we, it wasn't Pac-12 fans. It was all college football fans. I misread the we. Correct. Who you were representing. The, the world knows... Now we'll have a one-loss one team. team in. Oh, it was early. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're going to say on Clemson and Ohio State. Okay. But they, they at least Ohio State had some offense, and Clemson looked awful. Uh, but, yeah, maybe so. Notre Dame stays undefeated, but, man, did the Irish cut it close. Trailing Toledo with two minutes to go, and they just went down the 75 yards in three plays and scored. So that took about 30 seconds. But Toledo scored the go-ahead score with a minute 40. Yeah. And and getting back to the one-loss thing, oh. if they deserve it, I do think they should be in. I don't the think fact, if you play a big brand, a big-name team and lose early, I don't think you should be penalized if you win the rest of your games. Because they could have played Akron. Yeah, but the point you were making there was that 
Ohio State and Clemson will get the benefit of the doubt, and the Pac-12 teams with one loss don't get the benefit Probably, of the doubt. Probably, yeah. That's really the the complaint. I mean, the truth is we know there's going to be a one-loss team in the playoff because now that it's a 14 playoff, you never get four undefeated teams. You're not, you're not going to have four teams roll through 13 games undefeated. Most likely, no. No. But I appreciate that Georgia and Clemson are willing to play, and I appreciate that Oregon and Ohio State are willing to play. Absolutely. I'm not an Ohio State fan by any stretch, but I appreciate that they would schedule the game, and then they lose by a touchdown, so I don't think they should be eliminated. Top 10 showdown, Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State buried by turnovers. Four of them, including a scoop and score for Iowa, Iowa wins 27-17. The Iowa Hawkeyes have now beaten the Big 12 rival six straight times in the in-state game. That's a bad look for us. (laughs) For the Big 12? Yeah. (laughs) I am going to have to get used to just going through Big 12 scores now. I look forward to it. I know. It's another league to follow. It's another set of storylines. We need stories. I wish it would start next season. One storyline everybody was following was Arkansas whooping up on Texas. And the Twitterverse had a very good time with that. Texas wants the SEC money. They can't even beat the worst team in the SEC West. All those takes were flying around. And Arkansas won convincingly. 40-21, to 21, the final score. Yeah, but it's going to be a while before they get in the SEC. Will Texas, as an SEC member, even face a Nick Saban coach team? Well, they're going to go to the other division. I don't even know when they're going to play, so I guess sitting here I'd have to guess no. I mean, I think they'll be in in two years. I know they've got to iron all that out, but even then I don't know how long until they play him. And he's going to be 70 years old. Yeah. Yeah, So the point is let's not draw conclusions on how they're going to do in the SEC now. It's like how how the Utes going to do in 24? Who knows? Who cares? Except Texas has been, as Barry Trammell has come on and told us, our Big 12 correspondent, Barry Trammell. No, but this is Sarkeesian's second game. Yep, it is. But Texas has been going through coaches doing this kind of stuff. Will Sarkeesian even be coaching in the SEC at Texas? That? <laughs> I would guess yes on that, but depends on how quickly they get in and how much they negotiate that down, I suppose. Miami narrowly averted the upset bug. They beat Appalachian State with a late field goal, 25-23. So, had some teams getting off the hook. And then we had the Florida State, the world, who did not get off the hook. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Scherzer, three balls, two strikes. Hosmer, the hitter. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed strike three. 3,000 strikeouts for Max Scherzer, becoming the 19th pitcher in Major League history to enter that very exclusive club. A standing ovation inside Dodger Stadium. Max Scherzer into the history books. Standing ovation from those longtime fans who've rooted for him his whole career. But he does deserve it for 3,000 strikeouts. That's an enormous number. Had a perfect game into the eighth inning, gave up a double, finished with the one hitter, and had the immaculate inning, nine strikes, all swinging, PK. Padres did hit some foul balls. But nine strikes, three batters, three strikeouts. Yeah, this guy's turned into Bob Gibson all of a sudden here with the Dodgers. He's been very good, but he seems like he's upped his game at 37 years of age. 
Well, you would think that they will align their rotation to get him in the wild card game if they can't catch the Giants, and you can't catch the Giants if they never lose again. Seven straight wins, a perfect week for yeah, them. Okay, but if you can't catch the Giants because they never lose again, then who cares who you pitch? Because they're never going to lose again. Right. So, but so that doesn't matter. So get sure they're ready for the wild card But it doesn't game. matter. If they never lose again, then you're going to get them. In the th- regular season. <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> That'd be something if they go through the playoffs or they have to go through like 11-0 and to get there. <laughs> Who does that? The Giants do win again. Wilmer Flores homers. San Francisco swept the Rockies. Now they sweep the Cubs. Line them up and they'll knock them down. They're just speaking too early, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually that could, that could be. Uh, did you see Donovan Mitchell uh, tweeting this morning? No. Uh, let me get this. I do not follow good, Donovan Mitchell on Twitter. Good morning to everyone except Yankee fans. Hashtag LFGM. Let's go Mets. Sort of. Let's fetch and go Mets? Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess. They won he, two he, out of three. And, Mets fan. Yeah. yeah, and one Sunday, so. It's a fun game last night, and it had some stuff going on with uh, Lindor thinking that the Yankees are whistling to uh, steal signs. And then Lindor hits three home runs, and and Stan hit one, and virtually crawled around the bases. So you had that thing going on. I like what Aaron Boone said about it. Eh, boys will be boys. Jays, Sox, and Yankees battling for that wild card. Yankees are out right now. The other two teams are a game in front of them. So the Heat's on the Yankees. Yep. Seattle and o- Oakland loitering in that wild card race as well. Three games back. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL loses at LAFC. LAFC wins all three games in the series. The three goals RSL conceded, soft, softer, and softest. Not good on any of them. Conjugated soft. I like it. Yeah, there it is. It just, it just kept getting worse. Gave up a goal like 19 seconds into the fastest game. Fastest ever in the history of the league? I don't think it's the fastest in the history of the league. I think uh, it is the fastest conceded. Is it really? Okay. That's what yeah. I read. Let's see. Uh... KSL, RSL's road trip to the City of Angels had a little bit of everything from the fastest goal in MLS history to an own goal decider to a new formation. Yes, they played a 3-5-2. Both teams were shorthanded. Rocky Long, I think he authored that. (laughs) 3-5-2? I don't don't think he did. That would be playing defense with 10 guys, I don't think. I don't think Rocky Long ever thought that was a good idea. He always wanted to get the 11th guy out there. What was it? What did he go? The 3 2 5. 3 3 5. Whatever adds up to 11. 3 3 5. RSL goes to San Jose Wednesday night, 8 30, and then they'll be home on the weekend to play Seattle, and they got discount tickets if you want a deal. 18 bucks for Nick Romando, who's going into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame in war number 18. So. You can honor him that night? Yep. Retire his jersey? I don't know about that. They're doing that. It's on the down low. What I haven't heard that. Ooh, Saturday? I think it's actually earlier. I think it might be seven instead of eight. I will have to check on that for you. Okay. I've been taking them one game at a time, PK. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, the Utes problems. We will get to them with him next. Stay with us.
right, let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of BYU, Kalani Sataki. Even if coaches did handle it the same, wouldn't you expect your players to kind of feel the emotion of this game and handle the week differently? Yeah, coaches may say, hey, it's just another game, but the truth is everything else outside of them says it's different, right? So the way the fans handle it, it's way different. So I say let's just embrace it and let's have fun with it, man. If we go into it saying, hey, this is just another game, that sounds great on paper and in print, but the truth is we know those guys. There's a lot of guys on this team that are really familiar with them, that are friends with them. Me and my little brother, TJ, were playing here, and our oldest brother was playing at the U. So that makes it different. And so why would you ever try to change that? The fans know each other. They're in the same households. Let's just have fun with the whole experience. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to talk football with Nick Ford, the University of Utah offensive lineman, joins us every Monday morning on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay. Curious how you are after the loss to BYU and a loss that, uh, you know, Kyle Winningham talked right after the game about losing the line of scrimmage. You know, we've heard a million times nothing good can happen in the passing game and the running game if the offensive line doesn't perform. I'm wondering how much that wrecked your whole weekend, so to speak, to use an old uh, line. You know, you can tell you with a grain of salt. Um, there's a lot of things uh, on film that was good. There's a lot of things on film that were bad. There's a lot of things that people on the outside don't understand that people on the inside do understand and, you know, give credit where it's due. And, uh, you know, it's on to the next week. Can't cope. Nobody feels sorry for us. And, you know, it's a disappointment and uh, definitely going to improve from that. So you've already looked at the film, obviously, in a situation like that. It's a late-night Saturday game. What is your schedule like the next day and even into the beginning of the week to get to learn from it, but yet to make sure that you're prepared going forward? Yeah, you know, they give us uh, Sunday off. Sunday's a day off. Uh, we have treatment recovery on Sunday. Um, Monday morning we get in and watch the film, address what we need to address, uh, start getting the jump on you know, the following week film, and then we go from there, whether it's uh, conditioning or weightlifting or practice, uh, you know, it's all set out from there. So I thought the offensive line intermittently, there were some big plays, obviously. Uh, there were some rushing yards piled up by Makai Bernard, so you did some good mm-hmm. things. But the consistency was clearly an issue. What what happened there? Because it was just kind of fits and starts. Uh. I think it was a combination of uh, missed comms and also, uh, you know, them just having good calls to our, uh, our plays. Um, you know, the, their stadium was loud a couple of times, and I think it missed comms that's maybe twice. Um, and then on top of that, uh, there are certain fronts that, you know, we couldn't block, whether it's, you know, we have empty protection, which means we got five guys, and they bring bringing more than we actually have to block. And that kind of gets to my point of, you know, people on the outside – don't really understand offensive line play or, um, you know, some type of twist or whatever where they're bringing more guys to a side than we actually have in the moment in time. And we got to adjust on the fly, um, you know, which we'll do a better job at. We're going to address this week. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of fundamentals and techniques that go on with the offensive line, which is, 
just you know not seen by the average person. Well, for sure, yeah. How much does Harding get involved in terms of the technical aspect to make sure that stuff is cleaned up? Uh, he gets involved a ton. You know, he he saw the film. We all saw the film. We obviously know you know what needs to be addressed, whether it's a uh, you know a fundamental one on one block or you know a twist, a blitz pickup, whatever it may be. And uh, that's one thing that he'll address when we go out to practice and we see it on film, and he'll uh, he'll get it instilled into us and fix it. Well, to your point about nobody on the outside really understand what's going on, Kyle Whittingham has said it after multiple games, win or lose. The interior O-line thing is the hardest to see during the game, and he wants to see the film before he says definitive stuff. But now that you have, do you think it was – it's probably a mixture, but was it more guys getting beat in the one-on-one battles, or was it more the scheme stuff you talk about? Uh, I think it was – kind of split you know I think that uh you know some of the scheme we were put in that bad position where we had to adjust and at times we did that times we didn't and then other times you know people just were miscommed or did um you know something slightly wrong and somebody tried to cover for somebody and you know ultimately that lost their responsibility because you'd much rather have um you know a two three yard game than a tackle for a loss so I mean I think it's a good combination of both, and it's a it's a good lesson for everyone to learn from. How set is the offensive line? Because we know that those guys that were in and out of the lineup uh, and going forward, do you think that everything is squared away in terms of personnel? Uh, I believe so. I mean, I know Coach Hardy won't get the best five that's out there. Um, you know, whether that's uh, you know shuffling the offensive line this week or keeping it the same. Uh, he's going to get whoever does the job the best uh, that particular week in the spot and play, and he's going to do it re- relatively quick. Um, I think that's that's his biggest thing. And, um, you know, going into games and whatnot, he, he likes to have offensive line set, so he'll find the right guys for the right job. You know, the game got off to a bad start, but the Utes had a chance to take the lead there uh, late in the second quarter. You had a fourth and two. If you convert it and score a touchdown, you probably go to the locker room up 14-10. But they stop the fourth and two, and then they drive the length of the field, and they go to the locker room up 16-7. So it's a huge swing. Fourth and short's been an issue, and it was again. What what happens on fourth and short and uh, it goes wrong too often? You know, it's everything. It's everything it's from... You know, you got a fourth down and short is is not a pretty sight. If you if you run the ball, you know everyone's going to be right there. If you pass the ball, there's going to be a lot of pressure. You got to win the one on ones, and they're going to drop out of the pressure, and it's going to be tough to find it. Um, you know, that's risky territory. No one, you know, really knows about. You know, we study film and whatnot, and you see how people play. Um, that fourth and two in particular, um, you know, the box was loaded. Um, it got loud. Uh, that was one of the plays. There's a miscom, and um, you know that miscom because of the crowd noise, and then uh, them loading the box on top of that, and you know they had the right play call called for either ball carrier, and you know it was it, that that play was a perfect example of you know there's miscoms, there was a good scheme calling by the other team, and you know ultimately the job didn't get done. So now you move on to San Diego State, and interestingly, 
They are playing in Carson in the old, uh, Harbor area, right across the freeway from where you grew up there. Uh, how's that going to be as far as this is going to be the ultimate home game for you? It's practically play, <laughs> practically played at Daniels Field. Yeah, <laughs> you know about Daniels Field? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, shoot, it's going, to be, it's going to be fun. You know, uh, I'm not the type of person to get too hyped into playing home versus away. You know, it's, it's always awesome being able to have my family and friends from back home come support. And, you know, my dad and friends already sent me a list of who wants to come. So it's going to be <laughs> cool to see, you know, a little contraband up there. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I'm there to do a job. I'm not there to, you know, have fun. So I could have fun afterwards, say hi, and say my goodbyes because, you know, it's a, it's a business trip. So when I get out there, it's, it's all ball. And then I'll have, you know, maybe like 30 minutes before I get on the plane back home. <laughs> Well, there aren't very many teams that have ever played uh, a series of games, and they're playing two years' worth of home games, two hours from campus. So there'll be plenty of seats available. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody who wants in should be able to get in. For sure. How many people will you have there? Oh, I think my list right now is at like 20-something growing. So what do you do? Do you get tickets uh, from teammates? How's that work if, if they want to get freebies to get in? Yeah, basically, you know, we get a lot of amount of tickets on our team. We get a lot of trade them throughout the team. And, you know, we take care of our seniors and juniors and help other people out, especially people from the area. So, um, you know, I'll just get some tickets and then have them come out. I'll sign their name and then go to fun. So have you watched much uh, San Diego State film yet? Do you know much about them? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we do get a little jump start on them. We see you know, how their defensive front likes to play, what blitzes they like to bring. And, uh, you know, then uh, coaches go up and game plan, and then we go out to uh, practice and, you know, start instilling the things that they want to instill. I don't really count last year as a full season. Obviously, it wasn't because of the situation. But the year before, you lost early. Now, it was a conference game. BYU wasn't a conference game. But mm-hmm. from that point on, there seemed to be a refocus, and you didn't lose again in the regular season. You guys went 8-1. and Do you think that this is something that the BYU game, even though it's not a conference game, obviously it's an in-state game and a lot of emotion on that, that there actually can be some form of refocus to understand what's at stake going forward? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. There's going to be a lot of refocus. I mean, a lot of the boys are already talking about it right now. And, um, you know, there's only there's only one way to not even, you know, get the taste out, but, uh, you know, dull, you know, what happened on Saturday. And that's uh, go out and, you know, continue to do things that we need to get done. And you know, our ultimate goal is the Pac-12 championship. You know, we're taking that one week at a time. But we really understand that right now that's the only way to kind of, like, dull that taste. And really, that's the only uh, mindset that we have right now is that every single week we've got to go one on um to make it count. It didn't look like there was the improvement from week one to week two that people would hope for or expect. Did you feel like there was? And if there wasn't, what has to be fixed so we're not having the same conversation after week three? Uh, I feel like I feel like there was a good amount of improvement, but there was a lot of sticky situations. So we, you know, that improvement wasn't being able to be seen. Um, you know, whether that's a, a game plan thing from us or them, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of things get fixed, got fixed, but the, uh, you know, you, you see a new thing every single week. So 
you know, previous the previous uh, wounds from the uh, Weber State game, you know, those, those didn't really show back up in the next game. But we obviously had some other type of wounds come there. So, I mean, you know, you got to take every week with a grain of salt. And uh, that's what we got to do, especially as a team, is, you know, address those mistakes, identify them. And once you identify them, at that point, you need to fix those mistakes. And those mistakes shouldn't show back up again. So every mistake that we made in Weaver, we should have made in, uh, you know, the game that we had the other day. And the game that we had uh, the other day, we should have made in San Diego State. And they're on their fourth. And that kind of brings back to your point of, you know, you had that one loss uh, non-conference and then go 8-1. And that's kind of, you know, how you do that. You build off of, you know, your mistakes and just get better. Otherwise, if you have recurring mistakes, that is that is what is worrisome. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know obviously it wasn't the outcome that the Utes wanted, but just from the fun standpoint, how fun is it to play in a stadium with so much hype, 65,000 people, blah, 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 all the emotion that goes into that? Uh, you know, it's, it's fun for sure. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, like you said, you know, it sucks, and that's not the outcome we wanted, but that's that's a memory I'm going to have for life. It's a memory everyone's going to have for life. Um, you know, props to them. I give credit where it's due. You know, they, they finally broke the streak, and, you know, that's, that's good for them. Me me personally and, you know, a couple of my teammates were 3-1, and one, not to, you know, rain on their parade or anything, but they had an awesome game. Um, looking at, you know, the players, I know some of them. I mean, Samson Nakua, for example, big props to that guy. You know, he was talking a lot of smack and said, oh, I'm here to beat the streak, and, you know, he, he did it. And I ain't, you know, I don't hate him. I ain't got no hate for him. That's my brother. I love him. You know, we'll always be friends, and that's probably something we're gonna joke about, you know, years down the road. Um, and it's definitely, it's definitely memories, and you know, it's bittersweet for sure. Well, Nick, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you again next Monday morning after you've uh, gone home and played in front of all those friends and family. For sure, appreciate it. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, obviously the adrenaline and all the emotion was so strong and they're going to have to generate some of their own because, you know, expecting San Diego State fans to drive two hours to go see a game, probably not going to happen no. uh, as it hasn't. Uh, and But yet that's the situation. So I wouldn't think, what, 10,000 people maybe? Tops? Tops. Five. Five? Five. So you're going to basically a dead atmosphere. New Mexico State, it's the opener, so it's exciting, but it's New Mexico State. So yeah, but they're no not going to have anybody. Whatsoever. They're not going to bring anybody. And, and it does depend on how many Ute fans show well, up. Well, there's going to be a bunch of Southern Californians and California people on that are on the team. Their families are all going to go. Yes. This is going to be the one time you can... All right, maybe bring, seven. Bring, maybe seven or bring eight. them all. Maybe seven or eight. No, High literally, school coaches. Literally, yes. And literally, there will be seats for everybody. Yeah. The yeah, place yeah. will not be half full. Right. I can't believe that. So I'm expecting that there might be the rare home game, away game, I mean, in which you have the majority of the fans. Could easily happen. Because I'd have to count it them is up. the very definition of a smattering of people, and it does feel like when the camera pans the crowd on a punt or something like that, that you can count the individual people. There was nobody there for New Mexico State. Well, when Chip Kelly's saying, where are the people? You know. This will be the biggest (laughs) crowd San Diego State has ever drawn in Carson. (laughs) Since they had no people last year and a smattering for New Mexico State. How many games did they play there last year, though? 
three or four. They but they that didn't. Many? But they yeah. didn't have people. I mean, last year was there. Well, playing so empty didn't stadiums. Count. Yeah, I got it. Right, yeah, I understand that. So attendance I, I, was. Maybe they let in family and that, so maybe they had 200 well, people or did. whatever. Nobody did, so yeah. that doesn't really count. Right. So it actually worked out. It wasn't as bad for them the, the, with the pandemic last year. They actually rushed the whole stadium thing to take advantage of that silver lining. Oh, like, We're not going to have yeah, anybody. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it was... Otherwise, it probably would have been one more year, but they they sped everything up. And that's great. That's great for the program to get it back to where uh, they need to be there, obviously, and uh, get that stadium going and get finished uh, for the program. But, uh, yeah, I expect a lot of youth fans there. They're going to have to generate their own emotion. And I wonder here, I think they'll 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 be fine, and I would suspect they win. I don't know that. I thought they would win last week. But I wonder, like, for we've seen in the past, definitely have seen it. It was tangible, the big game, and then the next game being flat. And I can remember the f- that we went down to Tempe, and the Utes just got rolled by the yeah, Sun Devils after that. they had that right. big emotional win against the Utes. And I'm wondering if the Cougars, they've got to guard against that. Now, it's at home, so it's a little different. And I suspect you should have, I don't know what the crowd should be, but I suspect you should have 60,000 people, right? At least. Why not sell it out? Why not? This I is agree. what you've been waiting for. There's a ton of momentum. They well, were selling that stadium out 40 years ago, and there were there's double or triple the people living in Utah County alone now. There's so many people who can snap up those tickets. And that's a great game. They're both nationally ranked. They're both two and zero. For the old timers, it's a school you got history. Now you'd have to be pretty solid old timer to have some history with them. Oh, I hated BYU when I was eight, like eight, nine years old. You, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> you were in New Jersey, and you didn't even know. You didn't follow either school. <laughs> but if I did, I would have. <laughs> You followed Notre Dame and you read about Rutgers, and that's, that's it. I wonder what this Rutgers thing is. They don't seem to win very much. Kid turned sports page. All right, DJ and PK. Lenrite Mortgage will be live Friday morning right here on our show to help you get the lowest rates on your new mortgage or to refinance. Listen Friday morning and visit LendRightMortgage.com for more information. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, coming up at 9.30. Another come-from-behind win, another double-digit deficit, and another victory for the Aggies with a big rally late. We will talk with him about starting slow and finishing fast at 9.30. More reaction from Ute and Cougar fans to the rivalry game next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? 
Snap to Cooper. Looking down the field. He's got a man. Caught it. He's free. Phil Yall Johnson at the 10. At the 5. Touchdown. 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 There are no flags. Touchdown pass on the final snap of the game. Jacksonville State has won it. That's a Chevy Strong play of the game right there. A stunning end and a big upset for Jacksonville State to win at Florida State. That's the play of the game. Know it today at 4.50. And you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. College football starting out unpredictable, PK. This is good. We were all complaining about the predictability, but Clemson lost. Ohio State lost. Yeah, but they're playing big-name teams, though. Those two are. Somebody's got to lose. I I get it. It's a surprise, but it shouldn't be season ending. That really bothers me. If now Ohio State loses neither one, one of us, game. okay, but neither yeah. one, we can sit here and argue. But neither one of us believe that that is season ending for Ohio State or Clemson. And it shouldn't be if they right. Uh, I want to be encouraged. I want them to be encouraged to play these big games. Yes, it was a huge game. I made sure at eleven o'clock on Saturday, or excuse me, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock too, but at ten. Sure, you were still watching at eleven. You didn't give up. <laughs> I was watching. I did go down and play golf at Hobble Creek. Uh, Those are the big the games, game. and everybody wants them. We know other years that have opened without them. There have been a pretty good number of them this year. Everybody wants them. <laughs> there have been a pretty good number of yeah. big games. The big game this week is a conference game. Number one versus number 11. May there be another upset, please. Well, who the hell is it? Florida and Alabama. <laughs> Seen the spread for that thing? Yeah, Tucano's. <laughs> nice. Bama by 15 and a half. Come on, Florida. I need my unpredictable season to continue. I like when I'm watching a game and all of a sudden a score comes across the ticker. Or they cut in with an update and show you, you know, a touchdown for another game. And it's like a little jolt of adrenaline like, whoa, what are they doing in front? Where's that game? I got to go see that. So Idaho, Oregon State isn't going to do it for you? Not really. No. <laughs> Every game can't be a big game. I get that. Got to play some of these. But there have been, there've been multiple big games this year, and there have been multiple upsets. Both hmm. the, the Oregon, Brook, Oregon. The Oregon, yeah, right. The Oregon, Ohio State, that's like a team on the second tier, Oregon, beating a team on the top tier, Ohio State. Oregon's usually really good, okay, then but they don't that, get that in the playoffs like Ohio State. That very exclusive then. I agree, but Ohio State and Clemson are on it with Alabama. Okay. Yeah, I'm, That's, not, I'm not disagreeing. Those just, teams have separated. you got like five teams on the top tier. That's it. Oklahoma. Yeah, it depends, I guess, on whether you put Notre Dame on the top tier or not. Because Georgia's second tier. Mm, Although they've been very, to a Very title. high tier. Very high second <laughs> tier. They're top second tier or bottom of the first tier. I would, if I'm a fan Georgia, Georgia not I'd had, take it. Georgia has not had Clemson success. They have not, but okay. Only Alabama has. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even Ohio State and Oklahoma are jealous of it's Clemson. A great, great run that they've had there. And yeah, okay, the, the thing that I like about this week is, by and large, it's last week of conference. Or non-conference, last, I Last say. week of the non-con. That's a, yeah. There's a few conference games scattered there about, are, but there are. just a few. But I like conference games, uh, and that's why I'm so excited for BYU in a couple of years. To have conference games, they just, in addition to have a big non-conference too. We're going to have to start the Big 12 report. Who in the Big 12 impressed you? Who in the Big 12, because that's basically what we do in the Pac-12. Who impressed us? Oregon. 
Right, but with the Big 12, we got to get out of the Texas-Oklahoma yes, because can, who cares? I agree, because they uh, won't be there for very long, if at all. But Oklahoma's going to impress now, so we need to wait. It's a little different. We need to wait as far as that goes to get them into uh, where they're going. And TCU then, stopping the two-point conversion to beat Cal. That was one of those Big 12, Pac-12 grudge matches. Mm-hmm, TCU, there were a yeah. bunch of big plays in that yeah, game. Dad. Cal's defense. What happened to Cal's defense? It's supposed to be all that. That was not impressive. They're giving up big plays because they were way out in front in that game, and they gave up a long touchdown right before halftime. Let TCU back in the game. I like BYU being in the same league as TCU. We have some memories. There, memories obviously. of the Mountain West for sure. Yeah, Gary Patterson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Matt Wells. If he can keep that Texas Tech gig. We'll know him, too. Be Morning. Familiar. How y'all doing? Yeah, be some familiarity. <laughs> Although they were sweating with Stephen F. Austin. Needed a fourth-quarter touchdown to win that game. Well, Stephen A. Austin, I mean, they, they got a good program at their level. Stephen F. Austin. But. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Once I hear Stephen, and if I hear an initial, I always go A. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More football, more college football next. Stay with us. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, we got a lot of reaction rolling in to BYU beating Utah. Huge. Best win in the independent era. Roderick and Sataki know the Whittingham playbook too well. Jessica says that. Is that the deal? They know Kyle inside and out? Yes, they do. Yeah, I agree on that. But But is that the difference? I don't think it's the difference. I think it's about themselves. They knew him two years ago and they didn't win. I just think that, going back to what I said as I was thinking about this all day yesterday and what we're going to talk about that it's the maturity of the program, and it's, it, it's from top to bottom. It, it takes a while to build a program. It just does, man. And you, you look at uh, Pete Carroll. Utes were beating Pete Carroll in the Vegas Bowl. Year one. Yeah. Year two, it took off. Right. And you need... You Kyle need a, took off year three. You need a while to build a program, to build everything the way you want it. And at BYU, it's going to take longer with yep. kids coming and going on missions, obviously. It's a so, two-year delay in the recruiting pipeline. Big, yeah, if not three, because they may redshirt and whatnot. You can't expect them to depend on when they come home right. to jump right out there. And I've never been on a mission. You but guys can your, speak to that much better than I could. You know, about being an athlete. And you're very athletic, so I'm sure you came back and bounced back very quickly. Stop. I'm talking to Yak. Yeah, but you said plural. So Yak is, no is no longer two people. Yak has dropped the LBs. <laughs> I don't think he was ever two people. Yak is <laughs> fine. Yock sure, is, he looks fine, but he was at no point was he ever two people. I don't think he was that big. I didn't. If he was, I missed it. <laughs> Yak, how much weight have you lost? Uh, as of last week, forty five. Okay, pounds. great. Had a kid, but way to go, Yak. Unless he weighs three hundred now, he was never two people. You looked at him uh, and you said, "You guys, uh, uh, so, took you at face value." The the program has matured, and also too they've had they've had coaches together. Jaron Hall's in his fourth year, but he's his first year starting, and but he's been with Aaron Roderick for three years now, and he's been with Fessy Sataki and these guys. 
And I think all that stuff, I don't know that you can pinpoint A, B, or C, or D, or whatever. What comes after D? E, okay, was that quick enough for you? That was good. Uh, and say it was that reason. You if know you what I mean? If you weren't here earlier this morning, there was a little, little delay from H to I, but I rock think it's solid there. All these reasons. I agree. For the I, program I think there's a lot, yes. growing up it's easy, under Coach Shiitake. It's easy for us, for anyone, to spotlight one or two things. But there's usually a list. And in this case, I think it's the maturity of the program. Ed Lamb has been there the whole time. Guilford. Okay, uh, Tuiaki was a first-time coordinator. He's not a first-time coordinator anymore. We went down there. That's true, too. And Kalani has made a point of pulling, pointing that out on multiple occasions. The yes. The contributions. This is his sixth year right. coordinating. The contributions he's making. Because BYU defense does something. Everybody says, well, Kalani did this. <laughs> and so he wants to make sure his guy gets some credit. Because these guys earn some credit. Well, they mind. take crap when things don't go their way. Oh, yeah. Well, well, what happens is when the defense is good, it's Kalani. And then when the defense is bad, it's Tuiaki. I think everything um, is factoring into it. And now that when they're replacing starters, they're not brand new. Utah had an unusual situation two years ago where they replaced so many brand new guys because all those guys went to the NFL. Here... Guys, some of them went to the NFL, but they got experience in well, the they meantime. Blew out so many people, and they had injuries and COVID stuff along the way. So there's that thing about how many different guys got to start and got experience, even though they weren't starters. They but I think experience. you'll see more of that, even as we get past hopefully COVID. You'll see them getting on the field, maybe minimally, but most importantly, with the team in the in the. A safety's room and all these things. So you're learning, and when it's your time, that you're ready to go. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that's what enabled them to beat the Utes Saturday night. I really believe it's the maturity of the program that it's increased to a level. And Utah... It's a little bit the other way. See, that's the hazard of bringing in these grad transfers, especially a quarterback. And everything's brand new. And then, oh, he's learned the system. He's up to speed. Well, well, fourth and two, and he overthrows the guy by 20 feet at the end of the game. They got problems all over the field. And we got this from Gary. Um, excuse me, from Eric. Eric says, horrible game on the part of Utah. So flat and unenergized. Didn't change anything. Didn't control the lines. Couldn't stop the run or the pass. What the hell, Scally? Step up! <laughs> uh, I, I hate to I put this on one. Strong. Uh, okay, at the but end. If you he don't, got, so be it. He got really wound up at the end. But I'm with him on the unenergized part. I thought the only time they were energized was when Micah Bernard had Makai Bernard. I can <laughs> Makai Bernard had multiple carries where he bounced off guys, where he delivered the punishment. He did, he did, he did great on the touchdown drive that made it 23-17. Well, in the past, uh, uh, Keithy was nice. That was yeah, it was. That was the one time when I felt like Utah had some energy. But they got off on the wrong foot with the the turnovers, although the defense, which later had major issues, was really good after the turnovers. To give up, to push them back and give up nothing, and then to only give up a field goal, I'm giving the defense an A on the first quarter. They they were good. After that, there was trouble. I will give them an F 
after the fourth and two stop, you just can't let them drive down the field and score like that. That was horrible. Most definitely. That was that the was two a, times a they really changing. needed to stop. They didn't get it. Not even close. They got the touchdown and the field right. goal. But see, on, I, the, on the touchdown I, drive, they did get close because that's the drive where they went for it on fourth and eleven in no man's land. You know, too long a field goal, too close for the punt. They go for it, and Hall has a big run around the left side that is contained. He gets a first down. That was a huge play in the game. See, I think that's where COVID actually has affected Utah. How so? Because they didn't play games and they're less experienced. Yeah, they lost so many guys from 2019. Mm -hmm. So I realize we're in 2021, but 2020 wasn't a real legitimate they got, they season five games, on not, our side of the country they in the have, Pac-12. The, the youth specifically yeah. have five games, not 12, or 13 with a bowl. I think that's a massive difference. Well, the commissioner brought that up. It sounds like an excuse coming out of the commissioner. It sounds a little better coming out of you. It still sounds a little bit like an excuse, but sometimes excuses are reasons. You know, sometimes it's legit. There are reasons you lose. Well, they're not where they're going to be. I agree with that. But I expected to see progress from game one to two, and the stuff that went wrong. They didn't play an opponent. That's the downside of playing a crappy opponent at their level. And I don't want to disrespect Weber, but Weber's a big sky team. That's true, but we've seen those teams pull upsets all around the country, and Weber State is on the high end of the championship subdivision. And I get your point. It's not the same as opening up. It's not the same as opening up with a Big 12 or Big 10 team. It's not. I totally agree. But you should still get better. And there are other years where they've opened with a big sky team, and they have improved because they week were an experienced ball club. Here they're not. You got a lot of young dudes on defense. Yep. Lloyd isn't stud all the way. Yeah, and Sewell's right. played played the year before. But there are still but guys who bunch of to young your dudes. Point, only have the five and then you bring in a new quarterback. What do you learn against Weber? Nothing. But the quarterback was hardly the only thing that went wrong in that game. Certainly wasn't. But I'm just saying. I mean, got did, everything, it you, you got, did it bug you when Solomon Enos stepped out of bounds? Because he's a veteran, and it's a sideline. Like That's not something you have to learn at the college level. I, I get if you're inexperienced on the offensive line. Nick Ford came on and said there was miscommunications. That, to your point, like you played five games, but they weren't even real games because you didn't deal with crowd noise. So if you're a younger offensive lineman, you have never been in a hostile stadium, and there's an adjustment that's got to be made to the blocking scheme, and you don't hear it. Sure, it bugs so, me he stepped out so of bounds, but do I expect Utah's receivers to be top of the line? No. Well, that's good, because they weren't top of the well, line. Well, they're not. And they're not going to be top of the line. I mean, the fact is, Brian Thompson was their best receiver. He transfers to ASU. He's not even starting. Yeah. In two games, you hardly get on the field. And he was your best guy. So why'd you leave, Brian? I don't know. I haven't asked him. I don't know that anybody's asked him. But and and Naku, we know why Naku left. They've answered it that question a hundred times over. Uh, so I don't. The point is, I don't expect a whole lot. I don't expect their receivers to be game breakers. And and ja, and uh, Jalen Dixon, man, he could take the top off the defense. When? <laughs> One catch for eight yards. Yeah. When? I mean, we talk a good game about him, but where's the production? It's not happening. <laughs> but, and see, I think that, I think it's not, and you think I'm cracking on Charlie B, and that, you can think whatever you want, I don't care. Uh, it's all about what relationship do you have with these guys? You just barely got there. 
and we're expecting it to click right off the bat? No, that's unrealistic. Why would I don't understand why we'd expect him I, some of it, to pick up where he left okay, off? Okay, and so he no. doesn't. So he doesn't have to come out and be thirty-five or forty-five for four hundred yards because you're right, that's unrealistic. But they didn't throw for two hundred yards in the game, and they had multiple drops again. This is who they are. Why would you be surprised on that? Who's the fool? At some point, <laughs> I think they're going to catch the ball. <laughs> That's different, right? Charlie Brown, the ball gets pulled away. Here the ball is literally right there. Grab it. You caught it in high school. That's why you're playing in college. I think. Maybe I need to see more high school tape. Maybe there's more drops in high school. But see, I think that my point I'm making is not that they suck and they got no chance. Don't and I realize it's me and I speak harshly, so people take that. The point I'm trying to make is that this is a work in progress here. And I suspect a month from now they'll be a lot better than they were on Saturday night. I think a month from now we'll think different things than we think now. Two games in, I already think different things. I mean we're looking at USC as a game of the year and can they both be undefeated? BYU's got still. You know, Utah's got to beat BYU, and USC's got to beat Stanford, and neither one of them got it done, so it won't be a battle of the unbeatens. Now they're lined up for one-loss teams, and they've both got to handle Washington State. We could have a two-loss team on our hands here in this matchup. But right now, as you look at the Pac-12 schedule, and you look at the way BYU ran the ball on Utah, and you look at how UCLA and Oregon ran the ball, UCLA two weeks ago against LSU and Oregon against Mm -hmm. Ohio State, you think, oh, there's some tests. Oh, and, and, maybe, yeah. and maybe they'll pass them. I mean, that's, that's a long way away. I think they'll have the Bruins you just mentioned, uh, the Trojans, the Devils, and the Ducks. I think those four games will right decide now, everything. the level of success of their season. Right. And I seriously doubt that they'll go 0-4. They probably won't go 4-0. I seriously doubt they'll go 4-0, just like I, I, seriously I seriously doubt they'll go doubt 4 it. I don't seriously doubt it. But if you do, so be it. I don't seriously doubt that they. I can't. I can't. I think got a better chance of going zero and the go four and zero. Okay, that's a different. That's a different question. But if they go four and zero in those games, they're probably winning the other games, and nobody goes undefeated in the Pac-12. You've said that a million times. It's true. I know, and then they trip up against Colorado or something. Or <laughs> but Arizona, I figure Arizona, who knows? I figure they're absolutely Pac-12. So games. there's always two or right. three shockers every year. I've been saying it for the whole time. I, I won't be surprised. If no, they I, don't two, I don't think. I don't. I don't think they'll go three a four and zero either, but I'd be less surprised at four and zero versus zero and four is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, the, right now, right now today, the Oregon game here in November looks very, very difficult. And maybe Oregon, maybe Oregon just needed a game. I mean, we expect these teams to hit the ground running. Yes. Just man, you want to be at the top of your game. Yeah, we watch Alabama do it. We want everybody else to they, do it. They I got know. 19 guys who are going to be on the NFL next yeah, year off of this year's team. It's a true story. They probably got 45 guys, guys on in their, their program. Yeah. But, you know, they can't be eligible for a couple more years. So, you know, they're a cut above, obviously, if not 10 cuts above. So I'm still expecting Utah is going to have a fine season. I could be wrong. I think at worst, eight and four. At worst. Because I think that they're, I don't think they're going to go on four against those four teams that I just defined. And they should beat everybody else. The Arizonas. Who looked well, terrible. Arizona, Colorado. Who else we got? Yeah. Uh, I talked Washington about the State. Utes not improving week to week. Arizona went backwards. There's no question. Arizona went backwards. And now in a big Fish way. is saying he has no idea who's going to be the quarterback. I looked at it this morning to see what they got going. 
because they went with they went more I mean, I, plumber. And I get quarterbacks the the glory job, and you need a good quarterback and all that. But their defense, it was right. Their defense looked like it was starting to pass the eyeball test against BYU. Like, okay, these guys are tackling. They look like they're not great. Okay, they didn't so, give up thirty so, points. So what do you got here? You got a one just, decent effort and one bad effort. Yeah. So we're going to draw which one is real? Long conclusions. Go go figure out Stanford and SC. Yeah, right. At least Utah's loss was far more understandable than SC's loss, yeah. I believe. I, I only saw a little bit of that game, but the little bit I saw, SC looked really bad. And admittedly, I didn't see the whole game. This is why that Pac-12 and 60 thing you and I like is, is to catch up on that. But they played late at night. They First, they joined the game late because of a baseball game. That's a really bad look for the league. So we missed the start of the game. Stanford had already scored. USC had already answered. Stanford had scored again. I mean, we missed a big chunk of it. And then I went and did talking sports and missed another half hour. Plus, I was trying to watch well, the U game. Do talking sports. I mean, you know, we understand. I do. You got to go do talking sports. So what are we supposed to do? We're going to hold it against you because you got to do talking sports. All right, I'm going to go to break right but, now. But I got to watch bored. SC. Yuck has got all this fancy finagle technology. What'd you have, an iPad? What was that thing? What were we watching, Don? I had an iPad, yeah. Yeah, so he had it right there. Set Way to go, up. Yach. You're the man. Yeah, so we had this game, we had that game, we had another game over there. Then we had choice conversation. I mean, it was. What games fun. were you watching, Yach? Because he's told just going to go on. We had, we had SC Stanford. And that was the only one? We only had that one. Okay. On. Well, at that point, it was the only one worth watching. Yeah. There was really no other. No, it was worth watching San Diego State lap the field with Arizona. That was awesome. Yeah. That was tremendous. But the game was over early. I mean, we're looking for competitive games. And oh, so that. we had we had that game on, uh, and then we're we were watching the game in front of us, and away we freaking went. Coming up next, Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. How comfortable is he with falling behind by double digits every game? Pretty comfortable as long as they keep coming back and winning every game. They did it again two weeks in a row. We'll talk with him about that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! The Aggies open Mountain West Conference play with a trip to the Air Force Academy for a showdown against the Falcons. Hear all the pregame action beginning with the Aggie pregame show this Saturday at 4.30 on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to talk Aggie football with the head coach, Blake Anderson. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. So start fast. No, excuse me. Start slow, finish fast. That's the motto. Get down by double digits and then turn it on and win the game. Is that going to be the Aggie way, or are you going to be trying to break guys of that this week? I sure hope I sure hope we can break that uh, trend. That one's stressful for uh, for me and, and, and most people around the program. But it is nice to know that, that we can and that we don't panic and, and that guys just keep kind of continuing to to play and, and, and trust the process and that we're in good enough shape to get it done when we need to late. So, uh, But I would, I would love to lead in a game. I think that'd be great. <laughs> as long as you got it at the end, I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, as long as you finish with the W, we'll take. I'll take ten more in a row, just like that. 
So the scoreboard obviously speaks to the level of defense in the second half, only giving up three, but you gave gave up 21 in the first quarter, as we saw. As I ask you to analyze your defense, I'm not a uh, defensive uh, expert by any stretch, but like particularly on that uh, touchdown pass that uh, North Dakota got to the tight end, that little slant, I thought the coverage was at least halfway decent, if not really good. How do you evaluate your defensive performance in the first half? First quarter, we played about as bad as we could play. And, and it, it really, we had calls made that should have put us in good position to, uh, to be there to make some plays, should have had a pick on the second play of the game. Two other explosives that they had were just really, really poor eye discipline. We were in man coverage on the one you're talking about, and, and the DB peaked in the backfield and just gave up a step or two, and, and it was there close, but should have been you know, on that from the beginning and just got himself out of position. Uh, they, they ran every trick play in the book in the first half, and, and we just didn't defend any of them very well. I thought they had a really good plan and executed it really well, but we, we calmed down really just simplified, played the same defensive calls uh, as we had been calling. and Guys did what they're supposed to, and we gave up three points the rest of the game. So that was encouraging. But, man, we, we tried our, our best to give it away and in, in, in how we executed early. So is there something about these guys and kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better expression, playing their way into the game? Because three touchdowns on three drives and then three points on nine drives, I mean, it's, it's startling. Yeah, it is. You don't normally see that kind of turnaround. Uh, physically, we felt like that. Yeah, obviously, the matchups were in our favor in most areas, although you got to give them credit. I think it's a really good football team, and it would not surprise me at all if those guys make it into the playoffs and, and deep in the playoffs again this year. They're very well coached. They are physical, and they know what they can and cannot do, and I think they play within that really well. But we, we, did, we gave them a lot of help. We, we really played very undisciplined, uh, got – caught up on all the eye candy and, and shifts and motions that they gave us early, and, and we just looked like, like we didn't know what we are doing. And when we calmed down and, and just simplified what we're doing and guys did what they're asked to, you saw the result. we very capable of, of setting those guys down and should have, I, I think, from the first snap on. Frustrated with how we started, but pleased with how we finished. And hopefully that's something we can build off of moving forward because this week with the triple option, you, you've got to be exactly where you're supposed to be and take care of the exact assignment that is asked, or you know as well as I, I mean, they're going to have dudes running clean everywhere. Oh, for sure. You know, we've been following uh, Air Force here. Both DJ and I have been in this market a long, long time. And uh, first it was BYU-Utah playing Air Force every every year, and now it's uh, Utah State. So we've been following what Air Force has done, been in the academy many, many times. What's your experience on defending this type of offense you know, we played uh, played Georgia Tech at, at North Carolina. We played Georgia Southern in the past seven years in, in the triple. Uh, even played, you know, Coach DeBerry and his crew when I was at New Mexico with Rocky Long. And I thought Rocky did as good a job defending the triple option as anybody uh, over the course of that time. And so we'll, you know, you, you've got to pick what you want to do, how you want to defend it. And then it, it truly comes down to assignment football. If you've got the dive, you've got to take the dive. You can't get caught up looking somewhere else, which is what we did in the first quarter. We, we had guys' eyes in the wrong place. They weren't being disciplined, and it showed. And for the next three quarters, they did what they were supposed to do, and it showed there as well. We, we need to learn from this week and go in and, and be very, very technically and assignment 
sound. I think athletically we can run with them. I think we're physical enough to, to match up okay. But you've got to be exactly where you're asked to be every play or they're going to expose you. And they've done that in the past in big ways. So um, it'll, it'll be a huge test because it's hard to get ready for this system in a week when you've been seeing spread football and pro-style football every week pretty much all year uh, in and out. And that we going against ourselves every week in practice. This is so unique. Part of the problem is just being able to simulate it during the week in practice so it looks even close. There were a lot of big plays in this game. How much should we expect that out of your team? How much is it that you were playing a uh, uh, an FCS team and there's going to there there should be a difference athletically there because there were a lot of big plays offensively. Well, I think the way we the way we line down and what we do offensively puts you in a, in a, in a bind. It tries to create opportunities uh, either in a run game, throw game doesn't matter. But it's, it's about the philosophy of what we do, the speed, the tempo, the spread system, how, how we spread the field, uh, you know, drastically spread the field, the way we spread the ball around. Yes, I felt like we were faster than this crew, but I will tell you, they physically can match up with a lot of teams at this level in our league. They are very physical. They are very well built, and they've done a good job of, of developing strength and, and size in the offseason. So uh, there were some matchups speed-wise in our favor, but there, it's a lot less of a – of a difference than you might think. They are they are very well built. And, and I told John, I, I don't need to see another team from Dakota. I don't care which <laughs> Dakota it is, what direction it is. I don't really need to see those guys on the schedule because they are they're they're very well coached and can play. But I would like to think that we have the ability to be explosive on a weekly basis in this offense. We've got we're getting better and better with it each day that we play in it. The guys are starting to understand. It helps having a quarterback that understands it as well and played in the system. But Guys like DT and, and Brandon Bowling and uh, Derek Wright's playing great. McGriff, you're going to see Kyle Van uh, Lewin as well. I mean, those guys fit what we do, and, and so it does create space and allow for some big plays. So I was going to ask you about the quarterback, Bonner, and he's a, a transfer coming in. But it's sort of unusual in that, you know, like Utah's got a transfer, he's at someplace else, and he comes in and joins a, a different team Whereas Bonner's coming in, and even though it's a different team, there's a lot of the same coaches in the system, as you said. How much do you think that is making the transition smooth? Because he's got, if he doesn't have the initial experience with the guys on the team, he has it with the staff. Yeah, I think the familiarity with with me, Coach Cephalo and Coach Premsky, and a handful of the guys that came is huge. I mean, he's been with me for six years now. Recruited him from you know from his house and. And, and been around his family and been through a lot. I mean, he's been through a couple big injuries, and so we battled through adversity together. He was right there the whole time my wife was ill, and he was extremely close with her. And so there's a lot, a lot of uh, you know family vibes there with, with us. And and I think the great thing about our roster is the fact that the guys that were already here have done an amazing job of of bringing in the new. Uh, transfer players and, and really accepting them. And I was talking the other day, if you looked in our locker room and you looked at us and we're sitting down eating a meal together when guys are hanging out, it, it, you would not know who was here before and who just came. They have they have completely uh, really become family. They they all uh, enjoy spending time together. And, and you, you would be surprised at who sits down with who, who spends time with who. Uh, because you're right. It, when you do bring in transfers, you don't 
you don't ever really know exactly how it's going to connect. And I think all that is helping us have some early success because the the previous players that were here have done such an amazing job of accepting us and accepting the new players that came in. We talked last week, it seemed obvious that uh, Tompkins was going to be the go-to guy, and he was again. But you were talking about having other people emerge, playmakers, you know, who's the guy who can make plays when the defense is just absolutely determined to take Tompkins away. Is bowling that guy? Six, carry, uh, six catches, 118 yards, and a score? Uh, do you see other guys also emerging? What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think we have a lot of guys. A lot of weapons are starting to show. Brandon had a big game, and, and he did exactly what we needed him to do. Derek Wright had a big game like he did last week. I think eight or so catches uh, a week ago against Washington State had, had uh, five, six catches and a big touchdown. Again, this one that really just kind of put the game out of reach. Um, I, I think McGriff is getting better every day. Scarver is going to start getting more and more opportunities. He's been a little dinged up, and people – Obviously, don't want to kick to him, but he's going to start getting the ball more and more on offense. And and I think there's some younger guys that that are that we've seen in practice that have a chance. And uh, we've always tried to make sure that we we utilize every weapon, every every inch of grass, every weapon, so that you can't dial in to, to one or two guys. Yeah, obviously, DT is phenomenal in space, and when he does get it, he's going to be electric. And people are going to have to know where he's at, but it creates opportunities for other folks. And, and you saw Brandon, Derek Wright. Griff all have some big catches and some big plays that we desperately needed to uh, to get back in, in the lead. Late in the game, and it was already decided, but nevertheless, Peasley's burst of speed on that play was, wow, man, he looked like he was ten times faster than everybody else as he just ran it up the gut there and got in the open so quick in a blink of an eye. Uh, what are your plans for him going forward? We're going to keep him involved and, and, and have opportunities to get him on the field. He's too good of a player too good of a kid and an amazing uh, leader. His work ethic, I mean, we're, we're going to keep him involved. So defense are going have to have to have an answer for him when he shows up on the field. Might, uh, you know, not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but, you know, we put him out there the first series. They did a poor job of letting him know he's going to be going, so he hadn't really gotten loose yet. and Felt like we, we kind of threw him in a bad position, but he, he handled it like a pro. And as soon as he pulled the ball on the last drive, as soon as he pulled the ball, I put my finger in there. I was like, he's gone. That, the guy's got amazing wheels. He's too big of a weapon not for, for us not to use him. He and Logan do a great job working together. The first guy there to congratulate him after he scored was Bonner, right there to hug his neck. I mean, so we're, we're, we're fortunate to have two really, really solid quarterbacks that can both win at this level. And Andrew Peasley is definitely going to be a part of what we do and a reason that we're able to win two games. Blake Anderson, Utah State coach, joining us. So you're 2 0. Air Force is 2 0. And we always talk about the Air Force offense. But what do you know about Air Force's defense? And Lafayette, they did what they were supposed to do. And the Navy fired their offensive coordinator. That's five straight games that they've scored seven points or less. So, how good of a read do you have on the Air Force defense right now? Not a, not a great one. You know, just history of, of kind of watching them. Uh, like to think that they're gonna, we can make them uncomfortable in space. They're built physical. They're, they'll hit you in the mouth up front. I mean, it's going to be a challenge to move them up front. But I think if there is a matchup that fits us, it's out in space. It's just not what they see every day, obviously. And it's it's um, it's going to be so different than what they they saw this week. That hopefully that plays in our favor. We got to get the first first down. We got to make you know we got to get some drives going. Definitely don't want to be punting the ball back to them and letting them milk the clock, which is something they're phenomenal at. Uh, so it, it is a different look, uh, but uh, but it's also something I think that fits us if we can execute well and, 
and uh, utilize the perimeter, utilize, utilize our speed and, and quickness in space, then then hopefully we can have some success offense, offensively, score some points. We need to we need to score touchdowns, though. We don't need to be selling for field goals. These guys are really, really good at eating up the clock and, and extending drives and go forward on fourth and one and two, just keeping you over on the sidelines. So every every series is is really critical that you get points. You talk to the team about being a little bit more ready to go since it's a conference game. Conference games always mean a little bit more, and plus you're getting a premier opponent, really. And I know you don't want to look ahead till next week, but you're getting them both right out of the start. Yeah, you know, just for us, just growing. Uh, you know, I felt like we we uh, made less mistakes offensively. We we made more defensively, especially early, but rallied. Uh, being ready to go is important. We we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we're battling the clock with a with a you know with a deficit in this environment against a very seasoned, very well coached, uh, very experienced Air Force team. You know, conference play that's that's what you do it for. You know, we want to find a way to compete. At, at this level and in this league, and you know, you, you got to win games. You got to you got to take every opportunity you get. This is going to be a huge challenge for us. Going there, playing at their place doesn't make it any easier. So we'll see if our guys can just take the next step. Well, coach, congratulations on the win. We'll look forward to the Air Force game uh, Saturday. This should be interesting. Thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it, guys. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. He's here every week at 9.30. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Just a thought. The last time Utah beat BYU was 745 days ago. You know, that's a little over two years, so just saying. The streak is over, I'm glad. The streak is over, you are glad. The streak is over, the country is glad. And only the Utes are sad. BYU won because PK pumped us up last Friday. Go PK, go Cougar! Everything's right in the world. Man, I ran out of gas. (laughs) I know that feeling. There's the feedback off the open mics. Use our app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your takes. Uh, Building off that, it's been 745 days. Greg on our Facebook page says, Utah has not beaten BYU now for 745 days. And the next time they play, that streak will already be at 1,836 days. Oh, 1,800 and whatever days, and we're only at, like, two? (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically, the rivalry game has turned into the World Cup or the Olympics. I mean, they're playing once in four years here. They didn't play last year. They're not playing the next two. Last year was an unusual situation. It was. And then they'll they'll get it started again, although, as Tom Homo noted Friday, uh, then they'll stop it again, <laughs> take another pause, and then they'll play again. It's going to be an intermittent thing going forward. He was in no rush to say, hey, I really want to play him. He doesn't know what the Big 12 schedule is going to look like. Well, plus you got your pride. They don't want to play you. So right. you're now, now 100% you don't agree. need them yeah. any more than they need you, right. whereas before you needed them. I brought them. that up with you last week. Well, now BYU can pass on Utah. Well, it was a hell Utah of a point by you. BYU. Good job by you. Thank you, and thanks for mocking me. <laughs> I'm mocking you. You are too. <laughs> I'm just own I'm, it. I'm own balancing it. it out. You're giving yourself all this credit. 
I'm bringing you back down. Yeah, that's, that's all good. I'm doing. Good. Now we're even. This, this is going to be played intermittently. It ought to be Iowa, Iowa State playing it every year. Do they but play every year? They do. Well, they got Florida. How can you play BYU? You got Florida. Florida. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> Before it was Michigan. Florida. <laughs> Michigan. Seems like an easy moneymaker to me. We kind of blew past Michigan blowing out Washington. Yikes. Yeah, I, I know my stuff, man. I said Washington was going to be the team to beat this year. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Everybody's beating them. They are the team to beat. Oh, nice. Good call. Yeah. Come on, PK. You can spin that. Uh, well, I spin it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about there. That's the only spin I got. I missed on that boat big time. Oh, and two. And counting. Yeah. Who's up next for Washington? Chris Peterson. Come on down. Right. Get, get him off the Fox set and get him back on the sideline. <laughs> Chris. He's still working up there. He's, he's an advisor or assistant to the president or something like that. Yeah, I think he role. might be and have a faculty role, too. They got Arkansas State at home. ASU. 16 and a half point favorites to get win number one. Oh, yeah, they better get it. Jeez. Get it and get going. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are all done for the day, but we will be back with more football tomorrow. Remember, the Raiders. Tonight, 6.15, playing the Ravens. You can hear the game right here on The Zone, Monday Night Football. Scotty and Hans are coming up next. Stay with us.